What's up, guys? Welcome to Spawncast. I believe it's episode 14, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> it's been a long week. I'm um, joined with actually a lot of people. I was I was going to invite like two people, and then everybody ended up on here, which is fine. I, I, I like having a lot of people on here, but we're going to go from the left to the right. We have, uh, as usual, Max from Dreamcast Guy. How are things, Max? Fantastic, as always. Good, good, good. And then from there, we have the ever-busy uh, Evan, who's working hard on that Splatoon review. Yeah. So much more to do. <laughs> good, good. And then back from uh, the brink, we have Philip. Hey, how's weeks, it actually. going? It's good to see him back. It is fantastic good. to be back. I've missed all of you, so thank Aww. you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then we have Jesse from Game Over Jesse. Once again, how you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here once again. I think this is my third appearance, so yeah. it's great seeing everybody again. You were actually on the first Spawncast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, then one have, recently. Uh, yep. And then we have uh, Sean from RGT85. Hello. How are things? <laughs> yeah, good. Just hanging out. Have got yes. to be here. You have your power back. Yes, we have power, <laughs> so we're, we're in better shape than a few hours ago. Do you, do you have uh, uh, air, AC? No. Nah. But I have a portable AC unit that works really well. And um, I told the landlord, I said, you're going to pay me back for this. And then if I buy this house in a couple months, I'm taking five grand off the asking price. And she was like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. You're going to do AC, right? Yeah. <laughs> would, it, would it make you feel any better if I held the microphone up to the vent right above me? <laughs> I, I, got a, I got a fan here. I got a fan right now. It's pretty mellow out, so it's not bad tonight. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, – so we had, I mean, obviously a lot just happened earlier today for everyone who probably watched E23. I did a live stream. There was like 1,100 of you guys there with me. So I know some of you guys probably saw it. And um, some big things happened. People are already saying it in the chat, Kingdom Hearts, yes. Mm -hmm. We did get some Kingdom Hearts information. We saw some Spider-Man stuff that wasn't like, it wasn't like mind-blowing, but we did find out that it's, it sounds like they're going to do something that most of the Spider-Man games have not done yet, which is focus on Peter Parker, it sounds also. So they're going to have a focus on his, like obviously his secret identity and then Spider-Man. Maybe even it goes so far that you play as Peter Parker and then you actually change into Spider-Man at times. Mm -hmm. um, but they showed, I mean, I know Max, you said you watched uh, a good bit of it. Did you see the trailer where they showed his room, like Peter Parker's room? Yeah, and it really kind of gave me uh, a vibe of the new Telltale Batman games. They really, really focus on the fact that Batman is also Bruce Wayne. Both of these in, uh, identities are actually fighting crime. So I definitely think that there's probably going to be maybe even entire whole missions where we're trying to go around and be Peter Parker in a way that supports Spider-Man. So yeah, man, I, I got me even more excited if I could be. Yeah, maybe they'll um, maybe they'll do more like with his even his like main job where you're taking pictures yeah. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I would love that. I'm a big uh, original Dead Rising fan, and I love going around and snapping pictures and stuff. So it'd be cool if we had some sort of like a uh, bonus or level up system like that. Evan, let me ask you because they they talked about Ultimate Spider-Man on the on the stream a little bit, and you were trying to tell me a little bit about it, the comic. Um, but they started kind of pulling bits from there. What exactly happens in Ultimate Spider-Man? Because I'm not super familiar. I'm, I'm also not as versed with it as oh, well. Okay. I just know bits and pieces of it, which, I mean, most of what I know still isn't even that canon uh, because they kind of use Ultimate Spider-Man in the animated series, but it's not the same, and it's mm -hmm. just back and forth. So I just have bits and pieces of it. Nothing too straight up, like, this is everything kind of knowledge okay. on Ultimate Spider-Man. Because right now, I mean, I, I know I can probably, I could definitely ask Sean about this because you're like kind of a retro gaming fan. But the, I mean, my favorite Spider-Man is still Spider-Man 2 on like the PS2, the Xbox, or the GameCube. Yeah, um, I don't know if a lot one. of you guys like oh, that too. Sure. 
Yeah. yeah okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's like the web, the web uh, slinging was perfect where you're slinging web. And it's actually attaching the buildings. Whereas mm -hmm. Amazing Spider-Man one and two, it just you can you can swing through Central Park, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really liked Spider-Man two a lot. That was definitely my favorite Spider-Man. But this one, I gotta say, with what they're doing, because they also put a big emphasis on web slinging, even even talking about older Spider-Man games like Spider-Man two. This one might replace that one if it if it really is this good. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking. I'm looking forward to. Still no date. It's 2018. But what are you guys? I mean, what are you guys' thoughts, Jesse? Uh, you're you're more of a, a Zelda Nintendo fan and everything. But what what are your thoughts on Spider-Man that you've seen so far? So far, it looks like it does stand out compared to. Usually, we used to get a new Spider-Man game every year or every other year. There was a lot of bad ones and a couple of good ones. This new Spider-Man game. Since it's only being worked on for one console, um, well, two if you count the PS4 Pro, it seems like they don't have to worry about trying to optimize it for every system. And then we get like a mediocre story and mediocre gameplay with tons of missions that's like, hey, save this woman from this burglar or mm -hmm. chase this car down that was stolen, something like that. Hopefully it'll have a story that actually connects you to the game and they'll be able to focus on that instead of focusing on how can we make this run as best as possible on all five, six, seven of these different consoles. That's a good point because they did make a, they really stressed like in the in the trailer that they need to focus on Peter Parker as much as they focus on Spider-Man. So they'll probably try to get you really um, interested in the character that puts on the mask rather than just Spider-Man, which which kind of humanizes him a little bit too, obviously. So then you actually care about him. But I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's just I, I we don't know when it's coming out. It's just mm -hmm. at, at some point they showed us some Star Wars stuff as well. Uh, more about the single player. Star Wars multiplayer is still Star Wars multiplayer for Battlefront. It's very similar, not mm -hmm. exactly the same as first one, but it's the same idea. You know, it's it's almost like Battlefield mixed with uh, Star Wars. But the single player, did you guys see a lot of the single player for this? Because it actually looks like it could be like good, like really good. Because it's gonna. It, they showed in the trailer where it starts right when the second Death Star explodes. Mm -hmm. Like, because they look yeah. up and see it in the sky, and they talk about how it's apparently gonna bridge. Oh. Well, not completely, but work to bridge the gap between episodes six and seven. And I just, it looks awesome. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on the campaign, but so far I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it at least. It's definitely better than the campaign in the first one, which was none. So, yeah. So. Or it's, probably, it's definitely better than the campaign in the original games because I'm not sure if people remember those, but those were basically just like really weird vertical slices. It was just like one chapter out of a bunch of random uh, Star Wars novels, basically, whereas this is one cohesive story. I like the idea of like us getting to play as a bad guy who thinks they're a good guy. That's something they never did in any of the Star Wars games. They didn't really do, they don't even like hint at that in any of the Star Wars movies. So I'm glad that we're finally seeing somebody who is part of the Empire who fully thinks that the Empire is the good guys. Who's like, okay, cool, the Empire's gone, but I'm just gonna keep fighting because that's all I've ever done my entire freaking life. So man, I'm, I'm ready to see what, how it plays and how it feels. All right, my only I actually, oh, go ahead, Phil. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I actually didn't catch any of the, of the D23 conference but i was wondering did they show off any of the um amy henning star wars game that she's working on no that's no, still no. just kind of under wraps completely. yes Su super under wraps i i've even heard like leaked reports that it's actually super pre-alpha like i think it's one of the things where it's like they know what it will be but right now it doesn't exist for all intents and purposes they did show us some like of those sweet uh, or... sweet star wars mobile games oh, <laughs> oh nice goody <laughs> 
<laughs> Some more, <laughs> more microtransactions. Yeah, and right. uh, then we jump, we we jump from Star Wars, and then we we jump to Kingdom Hearts, which is what everyone was looking for, obviously, when they got there, because when they first talked about the three things that were going to be there, the biggest reaction was by far for Kingdom Hearts. Mm -hmm. And the big thing was they show us the new world and it's Toy Story, <laughs> which is such a cool idea. Like I saw that mm -hmm. and I was like, because when I first saw them, I was like, this this they're not really doing Toy Story. And then, yeah, they're doing Toy Story. And the advantage now is how the strength of these consoles, it looks exactly like the movie from Toy mm -hmm. Story. Um, like if you watch the trailer, go back and watch it, it looks exactly like if you were in the movie theater watching it on the on like Toy Story 3, for example. But mm -hmm. I, it, it sounds like they pulled in Pixar and Pixar is going to work with Disney a unique like take on Toy Story in the Kingdom Hearts world. I guess we're heartless in vain. Um, mm -hmm. But is that, I mean, is that like the, because a lot of people were thinking Star Wars, but you know, here comes here comes Toy Story. I mean, is that is there any other world they really could have been there? Or is Toy Story like the one that everyone has been waiting for? Because it was rumored in Kingdom Hearts two, I think even. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes sense. I I wanted Star Wars, of course. I wanted Star Wars, or I wanted a Marvel world. But seeing Toy Story, I think it was smart of them to come out with Toy Story, uh, even if they end up adding more worlds later on. I think it's really smart to show off Toy Story because it's such a well-understood property. And I, I've already noticed people really analyzing the trailer and seeing all these little hidden extra details that didn't exist in the earlier games. Like uh, people were showing that on the health bars, your character actually like slowly slumps over more and more as they get lower health. And somebody zoomed in on the fact that when Woody is nearly dying, he actually like hangs out of the health meter. Like oh, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> so it's it's a good way of showing like, okay, we're gonna make this uh, more emotional than previous Kingdom Hearts may have been. So yeah. sure, sure. I I mean, it looks good. And then we got the release date for 2018. So it's next year apparently, despite all of the hiccups, all of the speed bumps that they've gone through. I guess it's coming next year. I mean, do you I mean, do you guys really think it's going to be released in 2018 with everything we've heard about it? it? It seems like yeah. I see. I already see Sean shaking his head. Like, no, no, that's not happening. What do you What do you think? You think it's going to be pushed? Do you think they're going to come out with an apology next year and say sorry? Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's just what they do. Like, it, uh, it's hard for me. Like, it, it's fun to to look at the game and you know Kingdom Hearts and the Final Fantasy VII remake, but I can't get excited about games that I know I won't be playing in at least a year. So like, it, look, it looks great, but I mean, I don't know. Like, there's so much that can happen between now and then uh, with the game. So, you know, it, it's cool, but no, it won't be out in 2018. Fair enough, fair enough. What do you think? Do you think it'll be out? Do you think it'll make that 2018 release date, Philip? I think it will. Um, I agree with Sean, like it's hard for me to get excited about a game's so far ahead of time, but at the same time, I don't think Square is really in the business of like making promises they can't keep anymore, especially with like the kerfunkle that was Final Fantasy 15. Mm -hmm. I mean, that game took forever to come out. I mean, it, how many transformations did it go through? So I think that from now on, they've kind of learned from that. And for them to so sort of make this like, you know, big release date ahead of a time, you know, assumption that it's going to come out or, you know, claim that it's coming out in 2018 is, is pretty bold of them at this point. But I think if they're doing it, they're serious about it. So, sure, sure. I mean, it's the hope is that it does come out. They also said there are more 
announcements to come. I think a lot of people were hoping for a Switch announcement, and yeah. I just don't know how that would be possible since uh, Kingdom Hearts has been in development for how long? Like, it's mm -hmm. it's been a long time since, like, obviously it was supposed to originally be on the PS3. I just don't know how it would have made that Switch release. If it does end up making the Switch release at some point, it would be probably a year after it releases on the other consoles just because they need time to port it over and make sure everything works. It mm -hmm. sounds like this game is going to be a really big game, so it's... um. You know, it's going to take time. I think a lot of people would like to see it portable. Like, we look at every game now, and we're like, well, the Switch is portable. I would love it to be portable, but, like, a game like Persona could obviously be on the Switch. But there's licensing, there's exclusivity, there's all that stuff. So, but we'll get other games. You know, Shin Megami is going to the, mm -hmm. to the, uh, to the Switch. So there's other ones. But I want to talk there, – there's two things that you guys brought up before we even – uh, came on Spawncast here. One is with uh, Sean, which we'll talk about yours first, Sean. You had an interesting video the other day where you talked about retro games and YouTubers. And uh, do you want to explain to the, the people what, what you exactly talked about real quick so we can kind of – a little intro? Yeah, so I was um, just scrolling through my Facebook feed at work and someone was talking – like showing pictures about you know yard sales from 2007 2008 and then they were saying that you know um uh, you know since like 2014 yard sales have gone to crap and that you can't get good deals at yard sales anymore and youtube is to blame because of the glamorization and the popular you know popularizing of retro gaming channels and i was like okay no you're, you're wrong and we got into this whole big thing about you know it's sort of just pointing the blame at youtubers and i'm like that's that's so disingenuous like first off you're giving youtubers way too much credit um by saying something like that it's it's you know it's more of the rise in nostalgia the fact that people you know that are you know late 20s to early 40s can afford to buy the games that they had when they were a kid or the games they wanted when they were a kid it has to do with you know, um, the rise of cell phones and whatnot. Like 2007, 2008, you couldn't whip out your smartphone and check an eBay price of something. Nothing has a value unless you assign a value to it. If someone is willing to pay X amount of dollars for something, that becomes the new value of it. So, I mean, and plus you also have to factor in, you know, people are throwing away video games, video games, old video games break and stuff like that. There's probably in the past 10 years, there's not going to be as many video games out there. More people are collecting, so it's going to be harder to find these things. I just thought it was just such a, a blanket statement to say, oh, well, YouTube is a big problem with the cause of, you know, ruining retro prices. And it's like, get over yourself. Like, okay, let's say that it is doing it. You know, let's say that it is, you know, ruining retro prices. Well, it's also making conventions. It's also making, you know, people money. It's also making people being able to live out their dreams and, you know, connect with other people who like retro video games who might have felt, you know, oh, maybe they felt stupid. You know, they didn't feel like anyone else was like them. So it's like the positives far outweigh any monetary value anyways. And that's my rant on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fully agree with your the scarcity argument more than anything of like we now live in an age where people do want to go back and play these old games, but they're harder to find. And so if you find a Super Nintendo in good condition, you know, hey, I could probably get 60 bucks for this. You're not going to, no longer, you're like, oh man, here's another Super Nintendo. I've seen five Super Nintendos. I'm going to sell it for five bucks. So I think scarcity is probably a bigger issue than just YouTubers talking about how awesome uh, Alien vs. Predator is on the Super Nintendo. 
Sure. Yeah, no, scarcity is big. I mean, Evan, you can pretty much attest that too at the at the store we worked at. Well, yeah, I think between between you and me, we can't even count the amount of people. And it, it kind of sucks in the reverse, I guess, because you have so many people bringing in games that are just horrible, that actually hold no value, but because mm -hmm. it's old, it's like, oh, that, that has to be worth, you know, a couple grand, right? And no, what are you even talking about? So it's kind of a bit of a back and forth and it is sort of everything. It's definitely not just YouTube. It's uh, TV shows like storage wars and stuff that have really pushed that at oh, least yeah. the idea of old things being expensive into people's minds, even though that's not actually the case, you have to have the history behind it and everything and know all of that. So, I mean, what me and John have dealt with, we had a guy, I thought he traded in a classic Xbox, like the original and like 30 games and almost expected exactly what he paid for it day one. But this was like halfway through the 360s life. So. Yeah, yeah, he wanted like $250 <laughs> for it or something. Yeah. It's hilarious. If you go back and watch, you, Storage Wars is a good point. If you go back and watch Storage Wars, there are so many episodes where they, there's a couple where they have like an original Nintendo and they're like, I think this is worth five grand. I got to get it appraised. Oh yeah, they're so ridiculous. And they get there and it's like, uh, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's been called out a lot, but yeah, scarcity is a big deal. But I think, the, I mean, I think the biggest blame is too. It's it's the internet and eBay. Mm -hmm. eBay is like the worst for this because people will bid, and then if like somebody who wants to sell from a flea market, like that's the other problem. People at the flea market selling can pop their phone out and double check something they just got, and they're like, oh, it's fifty dollars. I was going to put it as ten bucks. I'm going to put it as fifty now, even though I'm selling on dirt. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, you got to remember that a lot of like I, I go to the flea market sometimes, and some of those games are more expensive at the flea market than an actual retail establishment mm -hmm. inside. And it's like you guys are selling outside on top of a lawn. You should probably mark it down a little bit, and they they don't. And so you get stuff like Mario Sunshine. They want like forty dollars for, but it's like sun faded completely. And you're like, well, I I don't want it for forty bucks. I'll give you a twenty for it, <laughs> but. I, uh, my 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 old roommate used to collect VHS. He literally had about three or four thousand VHS tapes. And so whenever he was looking for the really rare ones that are worth hundreds or thousands of dollars, he would go out and do uh, check all the flea markets. And he used to just find all. He knew nothing about video games, but he knew I liked video games. He was just oh, I, I know my roommate likes video games. So he used to come back with just literally fistfuls of Sega Saturn games. Just he would find like stacks of loose wow. Sega Saturn games that they were selling for twenty five cents each. So I have like probably 50 super rare Sega Saturn games that he used to just give to me where he's like, yeah, it was five bucks. Here's like uh, here's uh, 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 virtual fighter kids. Like, okay, cool. Thank you. Because people just didn't know. It was before eBay was so pr prolific. One thing that is unfortunate though, is that we do live in a day and age where we can't just walk into, or most places we can't just walk into a store to find this stuff. We have to go to the internet and, you know, find these retro style games and, and accessories or hardware, you know, like I, it would be nice to have like more mom and pop shops throughout the area or, you know, wherever you live that you could go and visit and actually pick up and touch some of this stuff. But unfortunately it's a, it's the age of new media. Get, get so. excited because in 10 years, you're not going to be able to walk into a store and buy any video games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just the way that GameStop and game over in UK and, Walmart will probably give them up eventually. You're going to have to just go online and Amazon and buy them all the time or just download them digitally. I mean, what's 10 years from now? 2027? 20, mm -hmm. So, I mean, what was 10 years ago today? 2007 when you weren't really downloading games, you were buying everything physically. Mm -hmm. Like, so it, it, we're halfway there now. I mean, it, honestly, if it was up to Sony and Microsoft and everyone had good enough internet, we wouldn't have disk drives in the next systems. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, they almost tried that already. So yeah, there, there was the rumor that the prototype 
the first prototype Xbox One apparently did not have a disk drive. Well, no, they, they, there's not even a rumor. They said that out loud in E3. They were like, that's what yeah. it is. Well, it, there's that. I this, this is a slight aside. Did you know if they accidentally mailed that prototype to somebody? Real? I don't. They, I didn't know that. That's funny. I was doing research for a video that I never ended up making, but apparently they were so paranoid of somebody like a. a they were so afraid of Sony spying on them at the time that they were hiding their prototypes in random boxes and factories. So they put the prototype, the first ever Xbox One, in a laptop box, and somebody bought that laptop, and so they just picked it up and mailed it out. And apparently, the guy got it. And it was like, I don't know what to do. And so apparently Microsoft paid him like a couple thousand dollars to just not talk to anybody about it. Yeah, wow. I actually, I remember reading an article on that. They, yeah. uh, I think they sent a repre... It's been a few years since I read it, but if I'm remembering correctly, they sent a representative to pick up yep. the Xbox One personally. And then they gave him a brand new Xbox 360 as a thank yeah. you. Well, and it was weird. He took a picture of it, and the picture is out online. It was weird. It was like a jet white giant box with like a like taxi checkerboarding on half of it. It's the weird. It's like what the hell were you making? <laughs> Did they really? send it to him before the Xbox One was out? Yeah. Yes. No. No. Not only before it was out, before it was announced. Yeah, That's this was. He literally had no idea. No discs <laughs> would even go on it. But he opened it up, and he was like, "What the hell?" And so that's why he literally just called like, "Hello, Daddy Microsoft. I think you sent me something that's not yet real." <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. That's that's insane. But yeah, so uh, retro games. I, I do think it's just uh, it's it's just the future we, we're going to live in soon, where everybody can just check prices. They'll slowly degrade and disappear, and there's just fewer and fewer. Like I said, when Evan and I first started working at that retro store that we worked at, the game store, uh, just to put in perspective, Super Mario World was seven ninety nine, seven dollars ninety nine cents back in like two thousand nine, I think. And now it's like 30 bucks on eBay all day for Super Mario World. So I think Earthbound at the time may have been $100, I think. Jesus. So you see how, how quickly they change. We had a – what was that game on the Dreamcast, Evan? Was it Egg on the Dreamcast? Yeah, Egg. Um, Elemental was, Gimmick I, Gear. We had – I think we had four of them, and they were 10 bucks a piece complete. And you can look them up now for yourself. They are – a little more expensive than that I, now. <laughs> I got Skies of Arcadia on the Dreamcast for $19 in 2009. And now it's like one of the most expensive <laughs> games of my collection. Yeah, it is. Uh, we had, I think we had Fantasy Star Episodes 1 and 2 on the GameCube. And I think that was $14.99 complete at the time oh, when we had it. Now that goes for about $70 or $80. You know, it, it, dude, it's crazy how fast things jump. But even worse is like CDs. Like this, those are going to degrade over time fast. That's why GameCube is like so expensive now, man. Like. Getting a good GameCube collection, fire them on there. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Like mm -hmm. it's not happening. Um, but let me. Uh, <laughs> so Max, you had a good video also where you talked about the PS5. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah. You want to explain that? <laughs> So the point I was trying to make is is right now, uh, for y'all don't know, Michael Pachter, he's like this really, really famous video game uh, market analysis guy. He's been really on the money for a lot of his predictions, but he's also been pretty off base sometimes. And he thinks that we're going to get a PlayStation 5 as early as 2019. So I made a video over on the Dreamcast Guy channel kind of breaking down that I think that's a really bad idea. It just seems like it's way, way too early. I think... Uh, that, that would be, what, seven years, six years for this console cycle, but 
man, uh, I don't know. I think I think this needs to be a long console cycle because when you think about it, the Xbox 360 was on store shelves for nine years as the main console. So it seems like it's too soon to try and already be trying to replace the PlayStation 4. I mean, there's over 60 million of these consoles in homes now. You're basically saying, okay, everybody, now trade that in and get a new system. So I don't know. If that's real, Sony is making a very bad move. Sure, sure. So, what do you what do you guys think exactly here? A PS Five and twenty nineteen is that too soon, or are you guys you guys ready for a new system now? I know that we've been hearing like a lot of analysts saying that the console cycles are going to get shorter and shorter, mm-hmm. and that you know we're going to start seeing consoles coming out sooner. But um, I definitely think that with these sort of mid cycle refreshes that we've been getting with the PS Four Pro and the Xbox One X, that to me almost feels like. Uh, it breathes new life into that system because they're all of a sudden the company is like you know whether it's Sony or Microsoft it's like you know we're pushing all these new games with it and some new features and you know the old system's getting some updates too and mm-hmm. it's like you know we don't really need it, it extends it a couple of years so I really don't think we need a PS5 in 2019 I think we're good until like 2020 at least mm-hmm. so that's my, sure, that's sure. my take on it what do you, what do you think Jesse yeah. I think um, if they were to release one this soon, 2019 does kind of make sense. Uh, they've talked about PS4 Pro and Xbox One X kind of being a half step. Mm-hmm. So will this next iteration, if it does come in 2019, there was a quote from Microsoft where they were talking about the PS4 Pro and comparing it to the then Xbox Scorpio. And they said that... Sony released the best console that you could make in 2016 for that price point. And then they said the Xbox One or the Xbox Project Scorpio, whatever. It wasn't Xbox One X then. Confusing name, by the way. But um, they said that they were going to be releasing the best console you could release for the price point in 2017. And I think that would be exactly what the next generation of consoles would be, is just whatever the best console they can put out in 2019 is. So would it be enough in two, three years' time to separate it enough from the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X to where it does look like a brand new console that isn't just the same thing the PS4 Pro is to the PlayStation 4, to where it's just like maybe twice as powerful or enough to let you play or experience some games in 4K, but then it struggles to play other games in 4K. Maybe the next hardware generation will be the consoles that can play everything in 4K at 60 frames without having to bring the graphics down a little bit or the frames slow down to 30 or even 20 during intense moments. So... I don't know if two years would be enough time for them to actually separate themselves from these half-step consoles. But if they do, I wouldn't mind. I just want to make sure that it's enough that it actually gets developers excited to work on it instead of just being like, okay, now we have to make this PS5 version, this PS4 Pro version, as well as this PS4 version. Or would they just cut off the PS4 and have it work with PS4 Pro and PS5? Mm -hmm. These half-step consoles introduced a lot of stuff um, that some developers might not be happy with. And then you have, like, whenever the PS4 
first launched, there was games like Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty that had the PS3 versions and the PS4 versions. So would the third-party games be working on all three of these consoles, or would it be working on just the PS5? Right. Okay. That's that's a good question, because I think they will probably move to backwards compatibility now that they run on x86. I think backwards compatibility is almost guaranteed yeah. at this point. But um, let me ask uh, Sean, what, do you, what are your thoughts here on this on this console generation possibly moving on? First off, Pactor can kiss my ass. He blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, did he really? What did you say to him? I made a video calling him a piece of shit, and I sent it. Well, wow, well, okay. I'll get you blocked. Rumor has it people don't like that. What, 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 what made you mad about him? I don't even. I don't even remember. He said. He said something disrespectful about Awada dying, and I was just like, "Dude, you're such a scumbag." What did you say about the Odd World guy? Oh, I I should have went after him too, but I I don't know. I just for some reason I didn't. But. Uh, I don't. I think 2019 is way too soon. I never really thought about the fact about what Jesse was talking about. How um, you know? Are they going to support the PS4, the PS4 Pro, and the PS5? Like it's so stupid. I don't like the mid consoles. I think they're stupid. I'm not a fan of them. Like it. It just seems like I understand there have been you know mid consoles, but it's never been like really differential like where it's like okay well this game will run so much better uh, and look so much better on the uh, midlife console than it is the other one so i'm not a fan of midlife consoles i think this to me this this generation has been uh, honestly one of the weaker generations in the grand scheme of things because nothing really i mean nothing really has evolved nothing like look at every console generation there's always been a nice jump you know, even your launch date titles, you know, from PS1 to PS2, PS2 to PS3. And now we're just, like, starting to reach this point where it's, like, PS3 to PS4, the, the jump wasn't that big. And I say that as a PS4 owner. Like, nothing really wowed me or anything. You're going to see that a lot going forward, by the way. <laughs> well, well, so I would say my rebuttal to that, and it's because I've actually tried to make that point before, and people actually push back and say, this is actually just a new generation of add-on content, where for the first time we're able to get our games that we buy now keep being playable. Like, that existed a little bit in the PS3 generation, but now if you buy an RPG, you know that it's going to keep getting extra levels and extra dungeons and sweet bikini outfits for all the ladies and dudes. <laughs> and that's something that wasn't really available like it was in any other generation. So if there's anything new that's added in the PS4, Xbox One era, I think it's that. Which is okay. fine, but I mean... It's 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 just another way for, to, for people to release a half-assed product. Like, oh, you know, we'll add content later, and it's just it's becoming more and more prevalent. And I, I don't know. I don't I, yeah, Mass Effect, would, Mass Effect kind of exemplified that. Well, I well, exactly. Well, but but I, I would also say just just because I think like Last of Us, I consider Last of Us one of the best games ever made, and then the DLC for that completely changes the game and adds such an amazing extra added element to the entire world, the entire story. And in previous generations, we would have just gotten the original story, which is fine. But having that extra piece that could only exist in this console generation was amazing and makes it fifty times better for me. So that that's my one rebuttal. Sorry. And while I agree with that. It's not that's that's um, that's not the standard. That's an exception. You know, yeah. most of the time you don't get something of that quality to make it worthwhile. And because of that, you have people taking advantage. Like, okay, what's we're still at a point where we're trying to push 4K gaming, yet 
you can't get 60 frames per second on every damn game. It's like, okay, you need to you need to slow down. It's it's almost like it's like when your when your brain goes faster than your mouth goes. You know, you're you're getting too far ahead and getting too crazy with these ideas, but you can't you still can't have like give me 1080p 60 frames per second. I'm happy. I'm sure a lot of people are happy. The percentile of people that wouldn't be happy is way smaller than the people that would be happy. But no, we're trying to push 4K. We're trying to push virtual reality. We're trying to push midlife consoles. Jesus Christ, can I have 60 frames per second as a standard? You see and that today, especially with uh, the Splatfest that's going on. People are even saying in the comments, they they really like this, the smoothness of that game. And then you see Mario Odyssey at 60 frames, mm -hmm. ARMS at 60 frames, Mario Kart. It's weird because I've said this on Twitter. It seems like it's Nintendo who's pushing frame rate over resolution right now. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of taking that road as opposed to Sony and Microsoft. You don't seem to have a problem with 30 frames if they can get even a checkerboarded. 4k mm -hmm. and uh it seems a little a little odd that that, that is kind of that like it's almost like uh, roles reversed almost i don't know it feels weird that it's nintendo trying to push a very smooth game as opposed to you have sony and microsoft over there really trying to push the resolution numbers i guess it's easier to put 4k on the outside of the box than 60 frames because even though i don't believe them there's a lot of people that say i can't see 60 frames well and i, I don't well, believe with, that at all <laughs> yeah i mean well with uh, no, go ahead with, with, uh, with Splatoon 2, they went with like an adaptive resolution for that game, right? So it stays locked at 60 frames per second, but they'll scale the resolution up and down, um, which I think was a smart move. And that's exactly what Microsoft did with Halo 5, right? And that's basically to appease the competitive um, community, I guess, to sort of keep gameplay smooth and, you know, graphics can take a hit which isn't a big deal. But I guess that, you know, with Nintendo and the Switch not being a 4K compatible system, they don't have to worry about that. They don't have that issue. Um, but as far as like what Sony uh, is concerned with, as far as like attempting, you know, 4K this year, as well as VR, it seems like they just threw out, threw out a bunch of stuff at us and they just wanted to see what would stick and kind of what direction we went in. It's like, okay, I guess more people are going with 4K, so we're gonna push more 4K stuff and we're gonna pull back a little bit with the PSVR stuff, which is unfortunate because I actually think PSVR is a great, great product. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, and I was really surprised to see that Microsoft didn't do anything with, with VR. So that was really interesting, but it just goes to show you where the like kind of interest is going with people. People are more interested in 4K better graphics on a TV than obviously virtual reality. I, still, I don't even know how, I mean, how many people are actually interested in 4K. I would keep hearing, I think personally, a more vocal minority than the mainstream people who go to the store and say, I want that $300 TV because this I don't holiday, really care about 4K. This holiday is gonna, I think, be the holiday where there's just a mm -hmm. gigantic upgrade to 4K TVs. If you've been to like a Costco or a Best Buy or any place that sells 4K TVs lately, they're so affordable. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You can get one for like 500 bucks. You right, know? but I would like, want to make sure, like, here's the, th I know this is going to happen because I keep seeing it on forums um, when I'm looking around and stuff. People keep buying 4K TVs without HDR. And yeah. <laughs> then when you go to buy one with HDR, all of a sudden it's like an extra two to $300 tacked on, like good HDR, not like fake HDR. Like the good TVs I see, they're like $800 for a 4K that's like, again, you want to get something that's like 50 inches or above because below that, there's not going to be a massive difference um, between 1080p. I think I think the res, I think the, the amount of, uh, I think the size has to be like 47 inches or something for you to see a noticeable difference in a 1080p image. And uh, then you get HDR in there and then it's like 800. And I still think you're going to see people show up at Walmart, well, at least 
in my area <laughs> that you know don't maybe don't have the the means for a 4K TV that's eight hundred dollars and they just want that 1080p three hundred dollar TV and then they just buy the Xbox One S that's on sale for two hundred bucks that holiday. So I, I it's interesting. It is. I mean, Evan, do you? All right, so we're, we'll we'll say uh, we'll talk about the in in this these words we'll talk about the Splatoon single player since that's what we're allowed to talk about uh, the frame rate there. You when you were playing it, you're you're you were so happy with how smooth it was. Yeah, I mean the game is it, felt I mean, is smooth. That, I like, mean, would, it just, it, would you rather be thirty frames and lock ten eighty, or would you rather have that sixty and adaptive resolution? At the end of the day, in anything competitive that I play, all I want is a good field of view for a wide screen shot, and then as many frames as I can push out of it. Mostly so that if it ever has to dip down a little bit, it doesn't have to go too low for whatever reason. But and I think almost any competitive player talks about that being all they really want. Uh, most people in a lot of the games I've seen, they'll even mess with the INI files in games to just remove like all textures and stuff just so they can <laughs> maximize their frames. Uh, so that's that really, sounds like you know, Counter Strike talk right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, then yeah. you even have a uh, fighting games where I think there were a few of them that were coming out that it looked like 60 frames was only on certain systems. I thought it was what Street Fighter. Four was on was sixty frames only on one of the systems. Well, I know like Tekken, for example, they went like straight up nine hundred p and then seven twenty p Xbox One and then PS Four because they desperately needed the sixty frames, and so yeah. even that game doesn't run at ten eighty p. Yeah, well, there was there was a, I can never remember which one it was, but one of them ran at thirty frames, and immediately every professional like who wanted to play that game in tournaments just hated it, never wanted to play it on that system. That system basically just bombed on it. So I feel like all the fighting game companies, at least, are like, yes, we have to hit the 60 number and hold it, and that's it. Uh, and I think a couple other companies are starting to catch on to that as well, but it feels like definitely the companies producing the consoles aren't so much noticing. Here's what, should, here's what should have happened with TVs. They shouldn't have gone straight to 4K. They should have maybe done, like, 1440p and try to coin that as something mm -hmm. because, like, this PS4 Pro that came out would have been able to do 1440p with, like, no checkerboarding. They would have been able to make that happen. But because we needed to go to 4K because it's, you know, the sexy thing to put on the outside of the box, mm -hmm. it's almost like the console producers, Sony and Microsoft, were, like, forced in that position because, you know, if 4K didn't get all, like, big and, like, really cool and everything – they would have ridden the original PS4 and the original Xbox One for probably up until 2020. You know, they would have made that last. The 360 ran on 540p at times, mm -hmm. <laughs> and no one cared because it was fun. And uh, I don't like. I, I hear Sean saying that he would rather buy an Xbox One S. Yeah, than a Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna end up buying a Scorpio. I don't even have a 4K TV. Well, I mean, what yeah. am I gonna do with with, with a Scorpio? It's just. I mean. It's so silly. If I want, it, here's the thing that I I, I don't I'll probably pet mine a lot. I'll probably just pet it. <laughs> we have we've gotten to a point with games where you know graphics are starting to become you know improvements are starting to become negligible. It's more about art style now. It's more about you know think about it. Back in you know the mid 2000s, everything was doing cell shaded because cell shaded looked better than um, than realistic. And so those cell shaded games that were on the GameCube, the PS2, and the Xbox still look great today because of the art style. And it's like now you're at a point where people are wanting, you know, more artistic games. People are wanting like Cuphead. Cuphead is like, oh, everyone loves that game. Cuphead. Looks really cool, by the way. <laughs> it does because it's something different. It's not the the dark drab colors and the realistic looking, you know, beefed up military guys. Next it's gen like, brown. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, come on, man. Just. 
just it, it's so crazy how how these companies are just pushing these little intricacies and these little things that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter. And it's, I don't know, it's just really weird to me. I, I think what's hilarious is a lot of people came away from E3 and they said the best looking game while they were there was Mario Odyssey. Like it was oh. the most eye pleasing game to their eye because of how bright and colorful and like you said, like art, the art style they chose. Some of the other games look good. Anthem looked cool, but it, it didn't look uh, different, I guess I'd say. It looked very similar to a lot of, like you said, the dark brown kind of next-gen games. Um, it looked fun, but I, like you see Mario Odyssey and you're like, oh, that, looks, that looks really fun. I want to play that. Um, and it's 720p at 60 frames. <laughs> and it's like, that's if you take a look at 720p in comparison to a 4K, 720p is like a tiny little part of the top left box if you line them up. <laughs> and uh, it's, I don't know. But Max, you were trying to chime in a couple times there with the uh, well, my, my thoughts on the Xbox One X is I think that Microsoft is really trying to entice uh, programmers to start pushing themselves further. Because right now I'm seeing a lot of talk from video game makers that they're really bumping up against the wall. Like there's a quote from a, a guy who says that the PlayStation 5 is now uh, five years out. Sorry, the PlayStation 4 is five years out of date. And so they're basically having to pull out the oldest programming, the oldest tricks in the book to try and get games to even run decently on it. Whereas on PC, they can just do everything. Like I play a lot of Friday the 13th online, a lot. And I own it on both PlayStation 4 and PC. And the PlayStation, uh, the PC version, even on the lowest settings, looks completely different. Like, literally, the lighting style, everything is 100% different. So I think that the Xbox One X may just be Microsoft's attempt to try and be like, hey, guys, you don't have to hold yourself quite back so much. Yeah, but what happens when the PS5 comes out two years after that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Does then, does, is the Xbox One X's life seriously like three years? Because then they just come out the next one? At that point, I'm pretty sure Microsoft's gonna go. Okay, you win. Bye. We're just gonna go commit seppuku. You win. Maybe I think I think Microsoft is is banking on the fact that Sony won't come out with another PlayStation until 2020, even 2021. And they both talk to the same manufacturer, or they talk to the same chip maker with AMD. So they both probably know something as to how long is it gonna be until we can get a chip that is significantly better for a price of four to five hundred dollars. That's mm -hmm. the and they're trying to set a target year and date and everything and they're they're probably finding out that yeah it probably is 2020 or 2021 now mm -hmm. if you go back to there was a quote by mark cerny um about three or four months before the ps4 pro came out and we had just found out about scorpio and it's really funny if you go back and look at it now because mark cerny says you need at least eight teraflops of power minimum for true 4k and of course microsoft at the time was saying true 4k all over the place for their oh, scorpio yeah. That was a six teraflop machine. It needs to do checkerboarding. So it sounds like Mark Cerny is correct. That you need about that much. At least we'll find out when that happens. But I have a feeling the PS5 will probably top about 10 teraflops. And the biggest Jesus. thing they'll upgrade that they desperately need is the CPU. The CPU in that thing, people argue with me at the end of time on Twitter. Trust me, I know. The Xbox One X does not have a good processor. It doesn't. It wouldn't need a checkerboard if it did. Mm -hmm. And it, it does. Um, it, you, they basically use kind of beefed up laptop processors, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they're not good. So that if they end up upgrading that, you're going to see some differences. You will see a jump in AI, um, physics. So you'll have smarter enemies, essentially. I don't know yeah. how um, game makers will work that in. I remember, do you guys remember when um, the PS2 came out and then Metal Gear Solid 2 came out? And it was so impressive as to like how the, the how your enemies would walk around and kind of coordinate 
like mm-hmm. patterns and stuff to find you. I know Sean, I know you remember that, Sean. I, I thought I saw you talk about that one time. Oh, with, yeah. uh, what, what was that hard? That was actually those PS1 for hardware pushers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. when you see that and you see your, your enemies talking to each other, that was actually a big eye-opening moment for me. When you see them talking and then they look around and then they kind of tap the door on the locker and then open it. Like, that was so cool to see. I don't know if they'll do that again with AI, at least to the point where it impresses me, but, like, that was awesome. Were there, I mean, there are any other times you guys could think of where, like, something like AI, for example, really impressed you in a game? Yeah, well, so right now I'm really into indie games randomly. I get sent so many that I'll just test them out, and I've been playing this uh, indie game again called Aragami, which I'm sure nobody has heard of, but it's basically like Tenchu. It's just basically Tenchu, but with cell shaded art style. You're this. Uh, it's like based. On I, I old, think I have. Is that on Steam? Yes, it's so good. It's basically based on an old Japanese legend that you're able to like for revenge once in your life. You can summon the soul of a dead ancestor as a ninja to go kill your enemy, and you're basically playing as this soul, but you exist for one night. And it's really cool because the AI is looking for you, but it's very, very smart. Like, a lot of times, I feel like a lot of games have really bad pathing now. Like, you can just step off a ledge sometimes, and then you just become invisible. Like, the game has to recalculate where you're at in the environment, whereas this Horizon game... Horizon Zero Dawn had a weird issue with that when I was doing that one time with the yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Well, especially the flying enemies. Horizon Zero Dawn was really weird of, like, you could just, like, step beneath a tree, and they were just like, well, you stopped existing, and they'll fly away when you're at one health. Um... Well, Origami is smart about that, but that's what I'm most excited about in the next console generation is I want smarter enemies. I want enemies that are constantly pushing me to improve. Learning AI is something they're experimenting with on the original Xbox. They were trying to put it into Halo 2, and it just couldn't work. And so I know that companies keep trying to reapproach that idea and just keep not being able to integrate it. Uh, yeah, that would, be, that, would be, that would be pretty interesting to see smarter AI. I mean, Sean, is there any game you could think of that had like that, even from back in the day, that had like an impressive, I guess, stacked amount of enemies that knew what to do and what you were doing? I guess Metal Gear Solid is a good example. I mean, um, yeah, any any Metal Gear game, um, Black. I remember Black was mm, pretty good. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. In that regard, I mean, it, it's funny. Like, th- that's another thing that you should be focusing on: enemy AI. Um, you know, partner AI, but no, we got to worry about 4K. And it's like, but is that, I was going to say, is that AI in 4K? Because I don't care yeah. otherwise. <laughs> like, it's like two steps forward, four steps back. It's like, ah. Uh, Here's I, the best part, uh, Sean. I, I've been, I researched CES when that was happening, and uh, they're uh, already past 4K, so they're working on 8K monitors now, and you'll be able to buy them, I think, next year. Awesome. <laughs> I think Dell has their first manufactured 8K monitor. Dude, that thing needs two HDMI cables. Yeah, and like you, you would need like two or three 1080 Ti's just to play a game on it. For for each each monitor they make, they have to get an orphan and executor on the conveyor belt. That's the only way. The souls are what fuel it. Yeah, two HD two HDMI cables or two Display Ports uh, cables. I think running from the same source. By the way, <laughs> sorry. What the hell? So we're gonna get to a point where either they upgrade it completely, or our consoles come with two ports on the back to because we need 8K. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, so what's weird is I have some friends in the film industry, and everybody in the film industry, I guess three years ago, thought that 2K was gonna be the next uh, jump. So a lot of movies started filming everything in 2K resolution and printing stuff on these special 2K uh, like DVDs. And it's funny that we were like in 4K, and everyone was like, "Well." 
there goes all of our research. And now they're like, 8K. Like, okay, never mind. We're, we're just going <laughs> to smash these out back. Well, that's because they went the other way. It's supposed to be like 2160p, but they went on the left side because it sounds bigger. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, 4K DVDs that even though the video is rendered out in 4K, the source is actually just 1440p. And the only other advantage that it gives, aside from doubling the resolution, is the color depth and the sound. Mm. So even though it's labeled 4K, a lot of the actual movies aren't even 4K. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're pretty much, I think we're all kind of thinking the same thing, where we'd rather have them try to innovate a little more rather than just keep trying to push, I guess, resolution and then kind of, I mean, it's, it's tough because they take this box and they say, oh, cool, what kind of resolution can we get out of it? And then they worry about the other stuff later, it feels like. It's really weird. Well, that's the thing, too, is, like, I feel like the film industry is so, like, the, the more the time goes by, the film industry is, seems to be linking to the video game industry or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of um, professional filmmakers are actually shooting on 8K cameras and then downscaling to 4K or to 1080p, you know, just because it looks better. So with that, like, you would, you know, obviously the video game industry wants to keep up, I guess, with resolution and stuff like that. And with lots of things coming out, you know, in 4K and Netflix pushing 4K, of course, people are going to be like, well, why do I have to play my game in 720p or 1080p or whatever? Of course, you want to play that in in 4K as well. So it makes sense. But it's unfortunate that that is the, the direction that the mainstream seems to be going. And it only seems to be going that way because the mainstream or the media seems to be like pushing us in that direction. Whereas like companies like Nintendo, for instance, are getting away with putting out content or games on 720p, 1080p systems because of their art styles that, you know, like Breath of the Wild is a gorgeous game. It's beautiful, but it's like such a low resolution compared to something like Anthem, right? But that's because the art style is absolutely like a watercolor painting, like a living watercolor painting, right? Yeah, we still don't really have any realistic looking Switch games, do we? No, no. No, I mean, I guess guess they don't really need it with their art style and everything, but Metroid Prime might be the closest one. Hopefully. I think we need at least a couple realistic games. I feel like we really need a hard example to show third-party developers how powerful the Switch can be. We still don't really have a a definitive, realistic, like, cutting-edge, air quotes, looking game that Nintendo can point to and be like, you can make this for us. Yeah. Well, here's here's the interesting thing. They at least got another third-party game because people have been begging for third-party games for the Switch now, obviously, because um, we're kind of in this weird period where they're not they don't have a ton of third-party games coming up. That's kind of in tandem with the others. Mm-hmm. But we get I know Sean I know Sean was excited for this. I saw him on Twitter. We get uh, WWE 2K18 gets announced for the Switch kind of randomly, actually. It was like a Monday morning, and I remember I saw it pop up on YouTube, and it was like Seth Rollins, the cover athlete, talking about how it's on the Switch now. Uh, very set-up uh, trailer, by the way. I, I don't yeah. think he actually brings his Switch <laughs> to filming or anything, or TV day or whatever, but, uh, but they do talk about that. So now it's getting a game that apparently, according to their blog and everything, it's going to be the exact same game, like the exact same game across the board. And... Two, uh, 2K18 NBA appears to be the same way, so it seems like Take Two is at least on board with the Switch, as opposed to maybe places like EA and 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 other places that aren't. It's very interesting that it's Take Two who kind of comes to Nintendo's aid here with these games, and I honestly think that wrestling could actually do really well on the Switch. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it will. Uh, as long as it's not a shitty port 
and you know it looks good enough i think it'll do fine like i'm totally i was gonna buy this year's i always skip a year because they have like a good year and then a bad year and last year was a bad year for wrestling games but so i figured this year will be better and i was gonna buy it for the ps4 but when they announced the switch thing i was like okay okay i'm on board with this because i mean it's just it's easier to play games on the switch for me and yeah it is interesting that take two is going to be technically the first company to release a realist you know two realistic games like nba games are you know that's i'm still on the fence about the switch version because i need to see the switch version because there are two games that i'm a graphics whore in and that's my basketball games my nba realistic games and realistic racing games i i need good graphics in those so i'm on the fence whether to get the switch version or not i, I need to see some you know footage of it but the wwe game i mean to, honestly to me the ps3 games looked good enough and it's not like um take two or you know back in the day thq really did anything to sort of push graphics on those games so it you know it'll be fine but i did think it was very interesting kind of as a side note you mentioned the seth rollins thing was that not one of the best promotions of the of the system itself no i know it was because he you know it it was pretty good. Here's the thing about the the people. So I did obviously more like when I see this stuff, I do a ton of research on the backstories of people and everything. And I find out that they have a full. You prior actually you probably know about this, Sean. They have a full like wrestling gaming YouTube channel with Xavier Woods and they yeah, do up, 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 down, yeah, down. Up, up, down, down. Yeah. yeah. And Seth Rollins is like the champion for like Madden and all these other games. And he's like he plays like Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo and. And like all this stuff, uh, one of the guys that looks like he's freaking built out of just pure muscles um, uh, starts with a C. You could probably have him out here, Sean. Uh, Big Cass? No, he's no. Right. He's like he's like he's, Cesaro. He's, Cesaro. Yeah, there you go. Him. He he said in an interview he can't buy a switch or he would like he would like lose his job as like a professional wrestler because he no, would just play no. it all the time. He got one and he did all the shrines in uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, that was an older interview. That was before the Switch came out, I think. So there you go. All right, there you go. So like a lot of the guys, I guess, there do play a lot of games. I just didn't know if Rollins was actually into that kind of stuff. But I guess maybe he is. There you go. But yeah, that was actually, that was a pretty good um, promo, I would say, for it, promotion for it. Um, yeah. But a lot of those guys there do have to have some kind of like acting chops i guess or they can't do it um but it's interesting that they are putting that on there see see sean you have to catch me up a little bit here because the wrestling games that i would play a lot were on the ps2 and the gamecube i played day of reckoning and i played uh uh here comes the pain i think was the other one i played a lot of and yeah. um, i have not played any of the newer ones like uh, uh what was the last one i played i think those were the last ones i played actually i didn't play any on the 360 any on the ps3 anything so i don't know if they've gotten better or worse I mean, honestly, not much has changed. Here's what they do with the wrestling games. They will, for like three years, they will have um, like a certain control style and then they'll completely change it. And that's like the whole big innovation. They're like brand new control scheme. And it's like, shit, I just learned the other one. I finally mastered it. And then, you know, now all of a sudden I can't get it. But yeah, I mean, honestly, not much has changed. Um, there's been adding of things, removing of things. Um, it's 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 they're very they're very year to year just sort of updates more on the roster i feel than uh gameplay innovation but i, I did see you playing uh the new fire pro 
Yeah, Evan and I played Fire Pro Wrestling, and it was pretty fun. Um, we didn't do too much else in it, but that game is uh, – that game's kind of tough, actually, to get the hang of when you're oh, used yeah. to the other ones. <laughs> yeah, Fire Pro is awesome, though. And did you see the um, the director of it wants to bring it to the Switch? It would make a lot of sense. If you look at Fire Pro Wrestling and, the, and like the art style and everything, it would make a lot of sense on the Switch, especially since when I looked at the control scheme, I looked down and looked at the controllers, they could, use, they could do single uh, Joy-Con play. Oh, so yeah. You could set it down on a table, and two people could like play and do things like landmine matches. Yeah, they put landmines outside of the ring, and you explode. Yeah, Fire Pro is <laughs> great. They actually had um, two Fire Pro games on the Game Boy Advance too, so it's not yeah. like yeah. You know, I was I was sold on that game when I went on the workshop, and the number three downloaded person was Blanche Devereaux from uh, from Golden Girls. <laughs> 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 yes, that was the, the the like the third most downloaded person. I think the second was like Trump and Hillary or something. I don't know, something like that. But it's good. Um, Got to keep it classy. Someone made a CNN uh, uh, wrestler too. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. See, I'm used to uh, murdering um, construction workers from Day of Reckoning, so I'll have to get used to the the new <laughs> rules they have now. <laughs> that was such a bizarre story. It was, yeah. You would murder, uh, rest like you would murder like construction workers to ruin WrestleMania for the year. If you guys have never played Dave Reckoning, it's so it's hilarious. Go back and play it on the GameCube. It's the stupidest story mode ever. <laughs> um, the Great. second one was a little better. Yeah, but <laughs> so that's. I mean, the Switch still needs some third party support. Those would be the most realistic looking games I assume we'll get. Um, unless there's something else, because they're not getting mad. And FIFA, actually, FIFA would be a realistic looking rest, uh, or realistic game, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah. We yep. have Skyrim, too. Skyrim's yeah. kind of, I guess, Skyrim, realistic. Yeah. Basically, I'm thinking of games that we can just take the Switch version and seriously do, like, a side-by-side, -side, like how you would do, like, Digital Foundry do, where they kind of slide it back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just thinking of any of those games where you would you would get that. Um, I guess those are it, though. I mean, what other games are going to all? Xenoverse 2, that's out soon, but that's a cartoony game. Yeah. Um, although it is going to be the full version, and it's going to be ten dollars cheaper at fifty bucks. We we but. need some sort of cross-platform uh, racing game, like Sean was saying. I feel like that's always the best display of power is to have something where it's like, look how shiny this is, look at all these water effects. So hopefully we get some sort of cross-platform uh, racing game in the next couple of years that way we can finally really see a side-by-side -side speed test. Well, it's kind of sure. funny though that you mentioned that because when you think about like the grand scheme of things. Like, remember how many companies were making, you know, either arcade sim or straight on sim uh, racing games on like the PS2 and the PS3. And now, like, what do you have? You have Forza, you have Project Cars, Gran Turismo, kind of like that, the, the crew is like the big, big, big one right now. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully the crew ends up on the switch would not. Which wouldn't shock me. I mean, when you think about it, Ubisoft is really pushing support for the Switch. Maybe maybe we could end up with the crew in some form on there. They've always been really buddy-buddy with Nintendo, though. Yeah, so yeah, really. Right there with them. Um, it would be really good for them to put the crew on Switch because they would have literally no competition in terms of actual racing games. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, the first, I mean, the first, I've said this with third parties for a while. It's It's whoever shows up on the switch like it's going to be really weird because people are going to go to gamestop and everyone's going to buy wrestling on the switch because there's not a ton of releases that come out every week so it's like mm -hmm. if you bring a third-party game over to the switch it's going to sell well because everyone's just looking to buy a new game for their switch well that's what um Nicholas or however the hell you pronounce it that's what they're doing 
Like, people don't seem to put two and two together. It's like when you walk into a GameStop, you see, you, you know, there's not that many games there. But, you know, when you see The Binding of Isaac, when you see Cave Story, when you see all their upcoming releases that are going to be physical, like, it totally makes sense. And they'll totally get impulse buys. And that's probably why they keep pushing, you know, more games. They're putting more games on the Switch and they're all getting, like, physical releases. I love it because I prefer physical stuff. So, you know, it totally it totally makes sense and it's totally a, a viable way to get more sales just because people are like, okay, I want something else for my Switch. I beat Zelda. I'm tired of Mario Kart. Oh, what's this game? Oh, you know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Oh, okay, I'll check it out. Like, it totally I, makes sense. I would be, I would, if I was a developer and I could port my stuff over like relatively, like affordably, I would be stumbling over myself to make that happen. Like, it would mm -hmm. be it would be a race to get there. Like a third party should really be racing to put stuff on the Switch because there's not that much third party competition at all. And in fact, Nintendo fans may feel like they need to buy it, you know? So whoever's yeah. there first will be like, well, we're going to sell half a million copies of this just for being there, you know, just for showing up. Yeah. And maybe another like half million if they like it. So Look it's, at uh, it's Lego City odd. Undercover. Like yeah, that sold better on the Switch, Switch, right? Yeah. Yeah just because of the availability of games at the time, like it was so slim. And so people preferred, you know, oh, I'll just get it on the Switch, so I'll have more to play on my Switch. It's Dude. genius. You're right, what Nikalis is doing. Like they're putting more um, physical stuff on the shelves, make it look like there's a newer game. So if somebody's mom walks in there, it's like, oh, hey, check it out, look. You know, she's not gonna go to the eShop. She's gonna see the new game on the shelf, right? So. Yeah. And the Blade Strangers game, I need that to come out this year. Have you guys seen that? What was it? Which it's game? Called, it's called Blade Strangers. It's a it's a fighting game that uses um, uh, uh like indie characters. It's got um people from like Cave Story and Code of Princess and stuff. Oh, I see that. Yeah, that looks kind of cool. Like, yeah, dude, it looks like it's like a. It reminds me sort of like of a Dreamcast fighting game, and I want it so bad. Like I'm so hyped for that game. The more I see and the more I watch of it, I'm like. Holy shit! This looks awesome. And once again, it's it's made out. by Nicholas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, holy shit! These, these dudes know what they're doing. Speaking of, when's uh, that coming out? Um, it's there's a placeholder date of March twenty first, two thousand and eighteen, but mm. it looks pretty done to me. So I'm hoping that it comes out sooner. I know it's coming out on PS four, Steam, and Switch. No Xbox One. Mm. Okay, because they uh, do you guys remember that Kamiko game, right? The one that came out on the Switch, yep. the one that was kind of like Zelda. Yeah, I think that actually sold over a hundred thousand copies. Yeah, exactly. see, that's insane. That is so yeah. much. It's and like it, that was a it's like when Xbox Live Arcade came out. Well, it's crazy. yeah, exactly. Exact. Boom, Philip. Perfect analogy right there. Is people forget that there were a lot of games like uh, Fez, Fez, and Castle Crashers. A lot of people talk about those. Or those were some of the first totally digital games on early digital marketplaces like that. And they sold millions of units. And I think right now is the time for any developers to make five or $10 digital only switch games and they will just rake in the cash. Yeah. Like um, the new, uh, the new retro city rampage game coming out. That's going to probably mm -hmm. do really well on the switch mm -hmm. shakedown. Yeah. Was that shakedown Miami? Miami. Yeah. 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 That's going to do really well on the switch just because like you said, there's just not a lot to buy and it's coming out i think it's gonna be out this year i believe mm. so um and then uh oh gosh i don't even is anyone even still playing nba playgrounds nope a little bit i, I i'm still playing that a little bit because uh, you saw it got the online patch right yes how's that play anyway i didn't get she has to play it yet. it's not bad 
Yeah, it plays online. How do you like the shop meter they added, like to the thing? I'll be honest, I, I I'm not a huge fan of the shot meter just because I got very used to how you were supposed to shoot um, without it. So it's sort of an adjustment for me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's still a fun game. I would love to see you know sales of that versus other platforms too, because I mean. Unfortunately, that game was sort of, you know, the the quick port where it has like on the, you know, when you play it in tablet mode, it's got like the fuzzy image that sort of Snake Pass has, um, which kind of sucks. But, you know, it's still a fun game. Yeah, because I think it had to drop down to a certain resolution that's below the screen. And that's yeah. probably why it looks kind of looks kind of fuzzy. Yeah, um, I remember them saying something um, when it initially came out about in the in the actual patch that was adding online that they were going to attempt to fix that but i guess they weren't able to do it which kind of sucks but i really liked nba playgrounds and i still like it but i just don't like i never came back for the online stuff it's just too much time went by and so many more games came out and now splatoon 2 is coming out in a couple mm -hmm. days and it's like i i can't go back sorry guys you know yeah that's the thing man stuff moves so fast nowadays oh yeah <laughs> we're, we're on to the next thing so quick um, that's a really good game that just came out. Complete side note: that um, shit, I forgot the name of it. What's that game that just came out? The Hack and Slash game. Oh, uh, Implosion. Yeah, that game is super fun. I really like it. Yeah, you didn't play it on um, uh, Android or anything, did you? No, I don't play mobile games. Okay. Yeah, no, that yeah, it was on mobile. A lot of people knew about it, but I I, I need I usually need a controller to play those kind of games. I, I can't imagine playing that on a touchscreen. I mean. Mm -hmm. the, a virtual joystick on like a touchpad is is not a good thing. <laughs> it's yeah, not I, good. I played the first level of that game on an iPhone when it first came out, um, and then was like, "Oh, this is cool," but I'm never gonna play it again because I hate touchscreen games. Yeah. Um, but then now I'm like about to finish the Switch version because of the buttons. It's an awesome game. It is. It's just now I actually have it on a console I care about. So I mean, I love my phone. I just don't want to play games on it unless I'm catching Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's. You're gonna see more mobile games come over. By the way, just the way that the Switch is set up, you'll see uh, games built for ARM that just easily get ported to the Switch, much like that game did. Uh, it'll they'll run better. They will, and uh, you have controls, so why not? Really, I don't see any problems. Some people are like, "Don't bring any mobile games." Well, it's either there or it's not. It's up to you to buy it. So <laughs> why not? Um, as long as they're not bringing like every single, you know, uh, uh, Kingdom Builder clone over. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, they're not that. The Final Fantasy 15 oh. capital building game that is such hot garbage. Oh gosh, what were they like? That was such an obvious like. Let's see if this will work, kind of thing. Oh god, <laughs> they they sent me an email recently trying to offer me money to talk about it. I'm like, no. Yeah, they <laughs> so, sent me that same email. Yep, same yeah, email. Like, Would yep. you like to talk about this so we can give you money? Like, <laughs> oh, no, you're desperate. Have you have you uh, seen them on Famebit for it? They're offering like up to I think 10k. Uh, it's ridiculous. It is. Wow. So catch my new video uh, for Final Fantasy <laughs> on Monday, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on a totally unrelated note. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I don't know, which company? Make, that's not Square that's making that game, right? It's some other company, and they're just Square's, like, licensing the characters to them and everything. I, I so. thought it was being done uh, third party by Square. Square was oh. having a company make it for them per their demands. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it is it is a company they're having them like make yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah. Some guy was like, you know, it'd be really great 
if we just microtransactioned our fans into suicide. Yep. That I mean, it's, it's, they're trained for it on the phone. It's more. It's more just that. Uh, I guess that group. They're just what they're used to. Like they don't think twice about paying two dollars for extra coins or or two dollars to make something go faster on their phone. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it, they're just trying to take advantage of something that does not cost much to make, but makes a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's done by Epic Action LLC, and yeah. I, I don't see anything else that they've ever done. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds like <laughs> well, a company name. Epic action. When they put LLC on the end, that's how you know. (laughs) I'm 90% sure I've heard their name before, but they're just the type of people who literally port port cell phone games. That's all they do is a lot of times they don't even develop it. So I think this may be their first ever personal developed thing, and it sucks. (laughs) They have nine employees. Wow, well. (laughs) I'm I'm just, I'm kind of creeping on them (laughs) to see what I can find out. You find their contact nice. info. We'll send them an email. Be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did you, Philip? You get some weird offers, don't you? Didn't you? You said you got something for like, like teeth whitening or something. Yeah, I got some really, really weird ones. Um, teeth whitening was one of them. Yesterday, I got one for a snorkel mask. Oh, like, oh that's I'm, nice. I'm wondering where these people are getting my email I, from. I have a. This guy has been. This guy has been hounding me for weeks, but this guy is trying to, to pay me to talk about his all wood watches. It's some company where they literally make the gears are wood. Everything's completely wood. And I'm like, have you watched any of my videos? Do you really think I'd be like, hey, guys, thanks for watching Top 10 Thursday. Now, look at this giant clunky watch that weighs four and a half pounds. Like, no, I'm, there's no way I'm going to talk about your stupid watch. <laughs> If you did something exciting like light it on fire, people might be in, enjoy it. Yeah, let's see how flammable this is. I'm going to wait for the check to clear before they do that video. I have not been contacted. People are saying in the chat at Dollar Shave Club. I've never been contacted by Dollar Shave Club, which yeah, is you- weird because they seem to contact everyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't get Dollar Shave Club. I, the only loot box or anything, I got a, a thing called Grub Box or something. It's like a, a snack crate thing. And that person emails me like, hello, friend. I just wanted to check for a 30-second time to see if you changed your mind. Like, no. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. Someone said in the comments, I could do that. Um, that uh, watch thing i could do that i just i just smash it with a hammer i'm more yeah. happy to do that <laughs> although i don't know if it, does he need it sent back <laughs> that might be a problem yeah, uh, yeah we only have this one watch yeah. we, need, we need people to buy them <laughs> that would be that would not be good <laughs> yeah there's a lot of offers that come through people are curious chat yeah youtubers get if depending on where you are i guess in terms of subscriber count or whatnot you get so many weird offers so many yeah. um it's I got insane. snacks once. They wanted to send me snacks. I'm like, what am I going to do with snacks? Well, you can eat them while you're playing games. I was like, no. Yeah, they, they try so hard to cross their marketing. What is the the weird one I get all the time lately? I keep getting uh, uh, just lots of weird ones. Like, they'll, like they start their emails, this one, Hello, my dearest beloved friend. I would like you to talk about our newest product, a series of belts. Belt, belts. <laughs> A series of belts, like, it doesn't say if they're for my waist or for my car. It just says a series of belts. Like, I'm not going to reply to that email. Like, I, um, I, now, I'll be honest. Like, if, if it's something in line with my channel and I like it, like, I have no problem doing it. But if if it's if I'm like, this makes no sense, then hell no, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's just, it's silly to me. That's Yeah, I've never had someone ask a blue – I've never seen Blue Apron uh, send me anything. I, they seem to send that – 
to a lot of people too. I think it's Blue Apron and uh, Terrace Kitchen. I think those are they are known for actually sending stuff like out mm. um, to get people to do stuff. That and I get so many cases, like switch cases. Oh yeah, I get that stuff too. Yeah. So I, many. And it's all the same case. It's like they're all making that same case. That yeah. They want. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't understand. Like they they all it's always looks exactly the same. And there are so many cases that I'm just like, nah, don't worry about it. Don't send me that. And sometimes they send it to me, and I don't know what to do. Like I'm just like I I'm not gonna do anything with this. And they're like, oh no, no, send it back. Well, I mean, they I, have I, billions of them. They probably feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. I'm like this. I got the 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 switch sort of little mini arcade looking thing. That's oh, yeah. cool. He emailed me and I was like, yes, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. And then once I got it, I was like, okay, this is awesome. I still need to customize it, but like shit like that, like whatever. That that's cool, you know, as long as it's as long as it's in line with the channel. I don't I don't want snacks and teeth whitening and every other godforsaken thing. How long did that thing take you to uh, put together, by the way? Uh five minutes. And I'm I am I'll be honest with you, I'm terrible at putting things together, but it was super easy. Nice. Is it what's it made of? Is it just like wood or cardboard or what is it? It's it's wood. It's like a it's a light wood, um, maybe like a balsa, but it's it's pretty legit. And like a couple people, a couple of my friends bought one based off the video, and they all love it, and they all got these crazy customization ideas. But I mean, it's it's very simple, but it holds the device well, and it looks cool. And I mean, it's just you know obviously a novelty, but it's still cool. I I love it. Is Are that they, the base um, top one? What was that? Is that the base top one? Base top is in the company who made it, or yeah, yeah, base top. No, like no, this was um, shit. What was the name of that company? They also sent me um, some um Joy-Con uh things to put on the top of the Joy-Con, which um were nice. I want to say it was a weird company name. Um, let me see if I can find it. I know How much are they? Uh, I want to say this was like seventeen bucks for the oh, thing. That's it, and then. Yeah, it's it super cheap. Um, let's see. Oh, actually, it's on sale for fourteen dollars right now. It was by Mary Ann. Um, fourteen dollars, free Prime shipping. It comes in black and red. I sound like a freaking salesperson for them. But yeah, like, <laughs> comes in a variety like, of colors and on sale. Tell us I was very happy with the, with the products. I figured it would just be you know some sort of crappy knockoff thing, but. Yeah, like the Joy-Con little extender grip things and the thing worked well. You get them both for like 22 bucks. So if you're in the market for them, I, I recommend it. It was good stuff. I liked it. It's, it's yeah. a neat idea, I will say that, to like turn your Switch into like a little arcade cabinet. Yeah. It's a cool I mean, idea. I've seen so many people like making their own and I'm like, I wish I wasn't an idiot so I can make my own. And then when they sent me the email, I was like, wow, you guys are making these? This is freaking awesome. So yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. So. That's the only, the only thing Switch related I've reviewed recently is I I found an adapter that lets me use PlayStation Four controllers on my Switch. So I did one of those recently, and uh, it works pretty well. It, it's really weird to do, but I mean, it just feels weird to be holding a PlayStation Four controller and playing Mario Kart and be like, "Wow, I'm kicking everybody's ass online, and I'm using the totally wrong controller for this." Oh, wow! Uh, so on the Amazon page for it, someone's actually done like a customized thing with it already and it looks really cool they put a bunch of like nintendo related stuff on it oh yes yeah, that's I, I would probably end up painting it that's kind of cool though yeah to paint it um neat uh let me see so 
Now, we all know that Metroid is coming out, right? Samus Returns is coming up. Are you are you going to review that, by the way, Max? Do you know? Oh, hell yes. Yep, right, it, definitely. Okay. Full review up on the Dreamcast Guy channel for sure. I, okay. I, It'll probably be my last ever 3DS review, but it'll be nice to end it with uh, with a game that looks so freaking fun. You're not going to do the Pokemon? Um, no, I... Ultrasonic. People have been asking me about that a lot, but I, I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about Pokemon. That's one of those few series that I'm afraid to review because I feel like I'm going to pronounce, like, Majokimon's, like, name wrong, and I'm going to get 7,000 comments like, kill yourself, idiot. Like, okay, never mind. So I, I don't mess with Pokemon. The, the fan base is too passionate. So I keep getting hit with uh, tweets and messages and all this stuff about people are basically trying to put the word out there that, uh, yeah, people are saying in the chat, uh, hashtag op Operation Samus Returns, because the thing about Metroid is it sells well outside of Japan. Mm -hmm. oh, like, yeah. It does not sell well in Japan. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Um, I think Metroid Prime 1 sold like 70,000 units, and that's it Gosh. in all of Japan. Um, and then it got worse with the second one, did like sub 30,000 or something. And... Uh, <laughs> So now everyone's basically trying to push this because Nintendo is giving Metroid fans two Metroid games. They're giving them Prime 4, and they're giving them Samus Returns. And now it's up to people to actually support this with their wallets. And now I'm trying to figure out if people actually will because a lot of times you see fans, like, really, really beg for something, and then they have it given to them, and then they kind of, like, are satisfied just by having it announced. And then they yeah. don't go out and buy it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it Didn't that happen to The Last Guardian? Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. Where everybody was begging for it every single E3, it was like the number one anticipated game that we knew about. And then it releases, and I think it did okay. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it had yeah. De decent week one sales and basically no week two sales. But it's like, um, like are people, here's the thing. Here's the thing that people I think are worried about right now um, is Samus Returns will kind of fly into the radar. People won't really buy it because they're excited for prime and then i think they're concerned that nintendo's going to look at that and say well we tried with metroid and there's just a lot mm -hmm. of people didn't buy it so we'll do prime we'll see how that goes and if that does not sell five million copies four million copies in his lifetime we're just not going to bother with it anymore so i think that's what fans are worried about and it's weird because we haven't seen metroid for a while it's completely skipped the wii u yeah. um and it was on the wii but we had other m and that is other m <laughs> uh Metroid Prime 3 was pretty good, I think. And uh, it, it's it's to the point now where fans, it's basically, it's up to fans. And do you guys, I mean, do you guys think Metroid Samus Returns is actually going to sell well? Or do you think it's going to kind of fall I, off a little bit? Because Japan's not going to buy it, and they have a ton of 3DSs there. Yeah, I think it is going to sell really, really well. I think it's just got that, that hype and that word of mouth buzz that's really, really high. Uh, and also, it's a really good looking game. I, I feel like what kind of helps this and helps Nintendo in this is I think they produced it for really, really cheap. What's it? Mercury. What's the name of the Mercury steam Mercury steam produces stuff very, very, very inexpensively. So I feel like even if this only sells 300,000 copies, they've easily made their money back. And so they may just start doing like more 2d Metroids for dirt cheap. So I guess the real right. question is, can prime possibly cross 5 million units sold? It's lifetime. I, I don't know. I that seems really giant. I mean, it de it all depends on how big the install base is for the Switch at release. Because I mean, you 
the Switch has, a, for those who don't know, the Switch and the Wii U had remarkably high attach rates. Almost every single person bought an average of like eight games. It was something crazy high. Yeah, I think I think Mario Kart sold like eight million units, and there were only thirteen million Wii U's there yeah. at the time. Yeah, so, uh, man, so if we have an attach rate even similar to that when it comes to the Metroid Prime, it's in, in smooth waters, but I don't know. It, it could be a little bit dicey. Maybe not 5 million, but 3 or 4, maybe, yeah. Well, let's say that the Metroid Prime comes out, um, this one comes out uh, next Christmas. Let's just say that. It makes it to a 2018 release. We see it next Christmas. And at the time, based on what their projections are, they would look to have close to 20 million switches in people's hands at that time. Do you think then going for the next year or two, do you think Metroid could get to 5 million if there are that many switches around? Let's say by the time Metroid fizzles out, there are 35 million switches out there. Jesus. I, if they, I mean, that's, we're talking like three or four years I, from now. Like, well, you know, Metroid's going to sell for a while like Zelda will. Um, yeah, I don't know. So for some reason, that amount of Switches just seems staggeringly massive to me. It just seems so... Like, the Switch is selling well, and the Switch is being well-supported, but I, I don't know. I feel like there is going to be a plateau at some point. 35 million seems like a huge number for three years, but if they do hit that number, oh yeah, that is going to be basically a packet, and it's going to be the game that everybody's like, hello, I would like... Uh, Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart, Super Smash uh, 16, because I'm going to fantasize that that exists now, and I'd like Metroid. Maybe you think that's the big announcement that everyone's like freaking out about right now because of uh, Super Metal Dave put uh, a little teaser out there. You think it is Smash? Yeah, yeah it was funny because everybody in chat, that's thing too. people have been discussing the Super Metal Dave video. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be Smash. Jesse and uh, Sean, did you guys see that video? I haven't watched it just yet, but going off what you were saying about whether or not Metroid will sell a lot, I think the key to it, because I think all the hardcore fans are going to buy it regardless, but I think the key to getting it to sell well is if it has an amazing multiplayer, because that would get everybody on Twitch, YouTube to start live streaming it, getting it out there. More people would watch it, want to hop in and play with whoever they were watching play the game. And for the game to keep selling after the first few weeks, I think multiplayer is key because the main story mode is only going to last for a few hours. Then everyone's going to either put it on their shelf, not touch it, or sell it back to GameStop. Yeah, Yeah, but they have a really good multiplayer. Absolutely right. Something that's competitive. Uh, It's probably it's going to be a first-person shooter. It's prime, but something that's competitive and fun and has actual like like length to it. Yeah, it could be a good time. Um, like something like Splatoon lasts so long because of the multiplayer. So, why not? They could definitely do some cool stuff with that. But yeah, you guys, uh, I would check out his video. It's um, it's I think it's titled Nintendo's Trump Card. Yeah. But basically, he's saying um, Nintendo or Super Metal Dave was on the Spawncast at one point. It got picked up by like the No and everybody else because he said that we would see two Metroid games at E3, and he ended up being right. He had some source or something that said that. Anyway, um. He's now saying that he has basically sources that are saying we will see some Nintendo trump card. There's some big announcement coming soon mm-hmm. from Nintendo that like their announcements are not done for this year, basically, even after Metroid Prime and Mario Odyssey and all this stuff. Something else is coming. And I've, I've started to kind of work into it being um, Smash is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Soon. I think it's too soon for Smash. Yeah. Well, we usually get like uh, – we usually get a Nintendo Direct – like before holiday season, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Am I thinking right? Yeah, yeah um, the fall one, the fall yeah. direct. There's there's also Comic Con coming up 
and Nintendo usually has some sort of presentation at the Game Awards at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then apparently they're going to have a lot of their games there, too. Don't you think that's too much too soon? Like, Splatoon, Zelda, Mario, Metroid announced, and then Smash. Like, you're pretty much blowing your load in two years. Like, Yeah. But I, I think personally, I think that's what Nintendo needs to do. Yeah. Like I'm they a big fan. Yeah, right now Nintendo is trying to keep that steam going as hard as they can. So I think they're literally just taking. I mean, that's the reason they were like, okay, we have to announce that there is going to be a Switch, uh, Pokemon game, but we have no concept art. Just, just film a guy <laughs> drawing, and so it's like, hello. I said, I, I said drawing. that they probably figured that out like two days before when everyone was getting mad. Like literally yeah. after the direct, they were like. Let's just go in his office and film it and cut it. Let's do that now. Yeah. We'll do it live. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, it just it looked so like out of nowhere, like off the cuff kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, they yeah, did the same right. thing with Metroid too. I mean, Metroid Prime Four isn't coming out. We don't know when it's coming out, but you know, they announced it so far ahead of time just to calm everyone down. You know, just yeah, to give it looks us like all something some... they made in After Effects. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's like a thirty-second trailer. It's got like seventy million views, and it's a logo. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um. That's the way it is, though. You know, people want Metroid. They get Metroid. They freak out. So, <laughs> it's perfectly fine i think but um i think though that i know that the metroid hasn't always been like the most popular nintendo franchise of all their franchises i know that mario obviously is the most popular and zelda is you know a close second but i think that it still has that nostalgia factor that those series have i think that all of us here you know in talking to each other right now like we all grew up playing metroid i know that pretty much all of you played Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of people who have a Switch are in that demographic as well. Like, are, are people like within, you know, between 16 and like, I don't know, 35 or something like that. Um, you know, they grew up playing those games and they would love to play a new Metroid. And I think that Metroid definitely has a chance of getting to 5 million, especially if the Switch has an install basis of even like, you know, 25 million or something like that, or 20 million, just because of the nostalgia factor, because it's a first party, because there's so much hype to it. And it's not The Last Guardian. Like, this <laughs> is Nintendo. Like, they're way, they're on a whole different level. You know what I mean? Like, they're legends. Well, if the Switch has Pokemon, it will build that uh, user base rapidly. Oh yeah, um, especially, Pokemon, yeah. yeah, especially in Japan. Like the sales of the sales of the Switch in Japan are already super high. Everybody is ramping up for Splatoon, super hardcore. So I think if you stack Pokemon on top of that, it's gonna keep being a really strong market for them. Oh, easily, yeah. I mean, it's capped already. They'd sell out of everything they get. It seems to be right around anywhere from 22 to 24 or even 25,000 units a week in Japan. And that's just what they have. They, they yeah. can't sell more than what you have. So and that's I think, the way um, it is. I think Samus Returns is, is going to do pretty well. I mean, I think it'll do okay in Japan as well. Um, just because a, it's not I, a first that, person one though. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, is it's not a first person shooter. And I know the Japanese audiences, they don't like first person shooters. They don't prefer them. Most of them don't. Um, and that's why most of those games don't do very well over there. So I know that um, this being a third-person, you know, side-scroller or whatever is going to probably have a better chance of doing better, you know, than the Prime games did, right? So Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're definitely right about that. It'll, it'll sell fine. I mean, there's such a big install base of the 3DS. Um, there's not – it's not the game we didn't want in Federation Forces. It's an actual – interesting game i mean look at the the you know the trailer for it 
has you know a lot of views on it and whatnot of course views doesn't translate to sales but you know it does it is sort of an indication of interest at the very least so i i think i think it'll sell fine you know it's not it's not going to be a star fox zero situation where everyone wanted star fox you got a game that people either loved or hated but it was on a dead system so it didn't really matter at the end of the day anyways you know in a really weird way and this just came to my brain this sort of reminds me of Batman Arkham Asylum, how we had this really bad series or really like mixed series of Batman games and the brand was kind of like fading in obscurity. And then all of a sudden, this smaller studio, Rocksteady, picks it up. Not a lot of people are really sure it's going to be great. And it comes out and it just sells like gangbusters. When you think about it, that's only like a 12-hour single-player experience, 20 hours if you're doing all the collectibles and all the side missions. But it just kept selling and ended up being a, a big established franchise i for some reason picture metroid prime 4 could totally hit that exact same vein of just being that rather short but super super tight single player experience that people have been craving so i, I think that it could hit five million if it's that same type of thing of just pick it up pay 60 bucks play the shit out of it for a weekend put it down love it well i mean they even pulled it in house right like they they know it needs to do well it's got to have online multiplayer I I, w I would hope, but I also, I don't know, Nintendo's so weird about multiplayer. So I, I hope so, yes. Do I expect it? Absolutely not, personally. Really? Yeah. I think this is going to be, I, I think this is finally going to be how, you know, Nintendo's Halo 2, if that makes any sense. I, yeah, I really yeah. think... I really think that they're going to go balls to the walls with this because they've been going balls to the walls with all of their main franchise. I mean, look at Zelda. Look at how big of a departure that was, mm -hmm. but how freaking crazy it was. Look at Odyssey. It's like, you know, you're finally, you're finally starting to see evolution of these games. You know, if you look at the Legend of Zelda series, which, you know, fantastic series, but it's been the damn same since, you know, Ocarina of Time. Like, yeah. it was always the same, and it looked different, and it played a little different, and they threw in different mechanics, but it was always the same. And then they're just like, oh, hey, here's Breath of the Wild, completely different. And Odyssey sort of has that feeling to it, too. So um, I, I think I think it'll, they'll go balls to the walls with it, and it'll be, I, uh, it'll be a crazy just, game. I can't picture a game being made by Nintendo where I actually walk around and shoot other players. Like I know Splatoon has shooting, but I mean like straight up like shoot Samus and she falls over dead. I just don't see that. If they do do it, I do think it'll really, really help because it will surprise people. But for some, I just call me unimaginative, but I just still don't quite see that happening. Metroid Prime honors on the DS. Yeah, there, yeah there was that, was, a... that was weird. Yeah, I owned that too. It was, uh, it was good, but man, the servers got shut off fast. I love there was an interesting quote from Nintendo recently where they said that they weren't finished creating super realistic games. And I think Metroid Prime 4 could be what they were referring to. Because we're not seeing it in Zelda, Mario, Splatoon, or really anything else. And the only thing that I don't really think would match the cell shading as much, or at least do as well, would be something like Metroid. Because well, on the GameCube, I remember whenever the first Prime, where Prime 2 released, they were comparing it and Halo side by side, yeah. debating on G4 TV, which was, at the time, the most realistic-looking video game to exist. Well, they, they're very fortunate to have that art style, because if you look at, even now, 
Metroid Prime on the GameCube, it is a really good-looking game. People are even using Dolphin to, like, make it even look better. And then they look at it, and you pull back, and you're like, that looks like it could be a 360 or PS3 game on the GameCube. And now they're taking it, and they're moving up to a much more powerful system than the GameCube in the Switch. So you could see a much bigger jump even there. And maybe it is a realistic-looking game. I mean, they could do that. They could do something like what Sean's saying, where they have their big aha moment with the online, and all of a sudden it's a great online with matchmaking, ranking system, uh, parties, you know, friends list, everything can be built into that game like like a Halo did, and it could be awesome. So it's 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 going to be interesting. I think that's one of the big reasons to make people are excited because they want to see a Metroid game be really good and take advantage of the Switch's hardware. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, see, have, I think you haven't I, seen a Metroid game since the Wii, which was essentially an overclocked GameCube. So, like, mm-hmm. there's been so much time passed and obviously the, the Switch is much more powerful than the Wii, so it's, it's pretty exciting. This is very much a new age of Nintendo. I know a lot of people are talking about how like, clearly the young blood is finally taking over. People are finally able to get in there and be like, hey, what if we did a totally weird open-world Mario where he can actually become a dinosaur? And it's like, well, nobody can tell us no. Let's do it. <laughs> what were you trying to say, Philip? I don't even remember. I okay. totally forgot. <laughs> Spoiler of Mario Odyssey, the T-Rex is going to be Yoshi. Oh, oh that's, yeah, that could be. Uh, Mario Odyssey oh, yeah. just looks awesome. Oh, good, good, Phil. I was going to say, I, I, um, I don't think that this Metroid Prime 4, I don't think it's going to be realistic looking. I think that they're going to go with a different... Um, style of graphics than they've gone before with the Prime series. But I think it's going to take advantage of the Switch um, in a different way. Um, meaning like, you know, hardware wise, like I think it's going to, they're going to focus on locking 60 frames per second. They're going to focus on trying to keep the resolution up as high as possible. And the way they're going to do that is by avoiding realistic graphics, but still giving a really great art style that matches that whole sci-fi space feel to it. Just like they did with Breath of the Wild that matches the whole fantasy feel to it. So I don't know. I mean, that, that you could they could do something. I mean, if you look at like like we've talked about, Breath of the Wild was a huge departure. Yeah, they could take it, and because it's in house now, where maybe it has more of a Japanese influence, maybe they do, maybe more like like you said, maybe a cell shade look or something. I mean, there there's a lot of they're very creative in there as we've seen. So who knows what they're coming up with right now? I mean, they're they're three quarters of the way to being on drugs while they're in the developers room <laughs> figuring oh, this yeah. stuff out. So who knows what they come up with? But I, I if there's any company that i have enough faith in to be creative and make the hardware work i think we i think it's nintendo so oh yeah um it doesn't seem to matter what hardware you give them they'll figure out a way to make the game look good and be fun most times so just not a virtual Um, boy (laughs) well yeah not the virtual boy that was i think that was even that was before they kind of figured out you know maybe we shouldn't do stuff like vr speaking of vr um we're we're starting to run into uh slowed sales for VR. I will say that. Um, It's starting to be reported that sales are down overall. People don't seem as interested in it. And now, if you watch the D23 event, we now have an augmented reality thing that apparently uh, Lenovo (laughs) is helping them make, which was weird. But you still have to put your phone in the headset. Did you guys see that at all? No, no. Very weird. It's, It's like you're wearing sunglasses, and then you still put the phone in there, and it starts overlaying stuff like augmented reality, like Pokemon Go or anything like that. It's supposed to be more accurate, though, I think, based on what they were showing. But they showed things like, you know how there was the uh, the chess in Star Wars where they were on the Millennium Falcon and they, yeah, they yeah. were playing chess? 
they showed that. And then they also teased very quickly at the end where it looked like you would buy like a lightsaber hilt and then it would overlay a lightsaber onto that. Okay. But it looked more like a, uh, we were talking about it while it was going on, it looked more like a, a gimmick almost. And mm. I, I feel like they need to get VR figured out. Now, there's also this rumor that Facebook is coming out with a um, a standalone VR headset where you don't need yeah. a computer, you don't need a phone, you put the headset on and you go. And apparently they're going to use like Snapdragon processors from cell phones, and they're essentially going to build in a cell phone board into this headset. So you get it, and it's not really going to play a lot of games, but you can do things like sit down and watch Netflix with it, probably play uh, lower, uh, I guess, less intensive games on it. But, mm -hmm. I mean, we're at this point now where VR is so hard to sell to somebody unless they try it, and most people don't want to try it. Yeah. So, like, how do we... I mean, if VR is the next innovation, which people are saying still online, that next console generation, VR is going to be it. And when you have to sell them a $600 headset and then a $400 system, you know, for $1,000... Did audio uh, cut out there for a second? Anyway, any any guys can any guys can take it. I was gonna I, I say, uh, sorry. Uh, I was gonna. There was an interview with Shuhei Yoshida, and he was asked about a third iteration of a handheld console, and he said that PlayStation was going more in the direction of having PSVR instead of a handheld console as their second uh, main console, and. Mm. The fact that they're kind of giving up on the PSP and PS Vita family and going in a new direction that they weren't 100% sure would do good or bad kind of makes it seem like that is where they're going to be going. But then Microsoft has their augmented reality thing. Like a few years ago, they showed off the Minecraft world with the headset. Uh -huh. And it it's, seems kind of odd that one team is going in one direction and the other team's going in the other direction when it comes with VR because that means all of the third parties, one game built for the PlayStation VR may not necessarily work with what Microsoft is trying to build because it uses different technology. So it wouldn't be as simple as making a third party game and then putting it on PlayStation and Xbox. You have to essentially build it from the ground up to work with their technology. And I think that makes it harder for third parties to want to do it because instead of going in and being comfortable knowing that no matter what you do, it's going to be able to run on all of the different VR headsets out there. Now they have to decide, do we want to go with PlayStation? Do we want to go with Microsoft? Do we want to add in functionality for the VR headsets that work only with computers? It, it kind of segments them. And then in the end, you don't really know which company is going to win so it, so let me, it's kind let of me, odd. <laughs> let me hit you with this one okay so oculus went on sale uh did you guys see this oculus went on sale for yeah. like 200 dollars off yeah uh, yeah and there was a game that heavily benefited from that sale <laughs> can you I guys guess, i do i do know what game you're referring to <laughs> yeah is it is it lucky's tale or Eve oh dude no. you're so you're you have like the the, the cleanest mind no what's it, it called like awesome. wife wife <laughs> Life Slut uh, Simulator or something? It was really similar. VR Girlfriend. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Massive spike in sales. Yeah. Uh, which I would have said Resident Evil. Because <laughs> okay. there, there's a convention the that they showed a video of this at. And um, it's it's a guy uh, just going nuts on this, um, on like a, a balloon. <laughs> you, know, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> 
just going nuts on like a um, on a on like a blow up doll in front of oh. everybody. Um, but to him, you know, it's, it's what it is. It's just, he's seeing a virtualized world in front of him. Uh, and if you go and watch the game or just look up a game, it's on YouTube. It's you're essentially you you have a VR girlfriend. So I, oh, I do like Philip that you brought up Lucky's Tale because that's the first thing the first thing I thought of was some sort of <laughs> girlfriend game when they's like it's on sale and this game's up. It's like I, I could tell you right now which one it is. I pick like the most kiddiest game possible, like the most opposite <laughs> game. It was packed in with the Oculus Rift, okay? Yeah. That's... yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's I think I hate to say it, but I really do think that is like what's going to push VR along, <laughs> much yeah. like how um, uh, porn pushed along Blu-ray. You know, and and VHS, VHS versus Betamax. Betamax was like, yeah. no, no adult films, and it was dead in six months. The I reason mean, media exists is. is because of porn, actually. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it pushed that's a lot of technology. <laughs> that's just the way it is. So people are just going to be like, okay, I can do this in my house when no one's around looking at me. Let's do this. <laughs> Although that guy was pretty brave for doing it in the conference hall, I'll give him that. <laughs> well, Blu-ray and Dude. HD DVD uh, was kind of decided by porn, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. yep, yeah, they went with Blu-ray. So, yeah. Y'all remember when they were, they were talking about, what is it, the, they're making a PSVR mini game for, what is it, Dead or Alive? And the kids, just like the dude, just basically, it's like one of the characters standing there and he just puts his face between her boobs and goes like this. And it's like, That's the okay. first thing he thinks to do, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, let's just chill a little bit on this. Uh, uh, what's going there's on? that one, um, what's that game coming to the Switch where he was uh, using the Joy-Cons? Um, to test with, did you see that with pudding and everything? Yeah, yeah. that's a very. Um, it's actually a very popular game. Oh, what is it called? Saying that's like Fangor. What is that? Someone in the chat will probably be able to tell me because it was hilarious. Um, the, I, uh, I saw the trailer out of context all the time. Senren no Kagura. Senren Kagura. Yeah. Um, Sean, have you seen that at all? Yes, I, I did see that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Sean's over there, like I have that machine right over there. <laughs> he's not in the conversation at all he's just hanging out like eh. people are weird <laughs> people are weird it's like dude it, it, seriously if you go looking like on um there's so many threads of people po posting gifs or gifs gifs whatever you want to say um of people demonstrating this at conventions like in front of everybody with the vr headset on and you're right max you're right the first thing they do is sexually assault the woman in front of them <laughs> like it's like it's like the inner like Thoughts and demons come out when you put on that VR headset. Well, <laughs> well it's really weird. So uh, I've made it a point to try and test all the VR headsets just because uh, even though I'm not super into VR, I want to know about this stuff so I can write about it and talk about it. And I remember the first time I ever went to an Oculus Rift thing, I, I managed to get a press pass and I went to this event and they sat me down in this chair that literally looked like a, a giant spaceship thing and they put the headset on me like the, the, guy, the attendant guy comes up and puts these giant headphones and this giant headset on. And the only way to describe it is it feels like I have five minutes of memories in my head where I'm actually in a spaceship and driving around in this like asteroid belt and shooting space rocks and stuff. Because once you put on those headsets, your brain just can't tell that it's not real. Every single thing in your sight is this reality. So if it's boobs, you're going to touch them. <laughs> it's interesting how that works, right? That's like it, it actually tricks your mind. That's the thing. A lot of people don't like – don't like VR, but they've never used it before. It's VR is cool. I just don't know how they can push it into mainstream homes until yeah. you can take out a loan and get a holodeck upstairs. I just don't know how we're ever going to get to that point. 
because um, they're telling them to strap this massive box to their face yeah. and then, you know, sit down and, and don't put this leash on if you're using HTC Vive, for example. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, Evan, are you ever going to get into VR at all? Probably not. No, you really I don't mean, think maybe, so? Maybe just once in a while, because as a gimmick, it's enjoyable. And I think I've talked about this plenty of times. Uh, there's very few games that I'd really feel greatly gain from it other than like the shock horror games or even like the mini I guess almost like it's almost like the 3D future of board game type games like don't stop talking or everyone blows up or whatever oh, that, yeah. one was. that was fun Keep yeah. Talking but, and yeah. but that's those games are kind of like I feel like those were best on the actual virtual stuff but mm-hmm. Past that point, like I don't really care about the first-person shooters. I watched tech videos of a guy who was trying to design one using motion controls, where you actually have to physically like reload the gun using oh, yeah, hand yeah. positions. He's like, "It's so cool!" No, it looks horrible. I don't want to do any of that. That's just miserable. Uh, so I, I don't know. The immersion gaming, though, I've enjoyed heavily. Like you remember, we were looking into those uh, Gundam fighter arcade units, the ones with the arced screens in front that they had in Japan. That looked awesome, yeah. Those look so fun. Like, that type of stuff I'd be cool with. I've done, they take those on tour through Texas, and there's a bunch of people who just basically drive, like, at every convention they put those up, and I always get them. They call them pods, and you just get in there, and it's like driving a mech. But it's yeah. like it's like $10 for 10 minutes, so you better have a fucking great time. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> the full immersion stuff, like, that always feels a little more better than just well, more better, great, just uh, than just the virtual stuff. Virtual stuff always feels like it's that one moment you're like, okay, I get it, and then you pull the helmet off and you just go back to playing like usual. So, right, Sean, I don't know. Sean, let me ask you what your thoughts are in VR. I hate it. It's you really hate it? <laughs> it, it for for uh, entertainment, okay. You know, movies, TV, porn, like that's cool, but gaming, like I just, I don't, I don't care. Like I don't want to have a, a thing strapped. Like, as as a gimmick, okay, that's cool. In short bursts, okay, that's cool. I'm not gonna sit there and play a game for you know six seven hours with this little headset on me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just not interested in it. No. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like the idea of eventually getting to the point like as longtime viewers of this podcast know I'm obsessed with dot hack sign and in dot hack sign it was a, a MMO RPG that required you wear a VR headset basically but it used normal controllers and so I like the idea of someday getting to the point where there is a giant like hundred hour online experience where you put it on and you make a character and you go around and then find boobs and swords and go on quests. I like that. But I, I'm not sure that there's going to be enough people buying these headsets to ever invest in that technology and get that far. Unless it became 100 bucks and you didn't need anything yeah. but the headset. Yeah, yeah, if it went super cheap, that'd be completely fine because then you just yeah. set it down on the side and not really care if you don't yeah. want to use it at that moment. It is a distractive thing. It never feels like it really adds to games. I never feel like a developer sits down and thinks, how can we put it on VR and not just make the same game everyone's already played? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's six hundred dollars usually for a headset, and then you need generally eight hundred to a thousand dollars for a compatible PC. Yeah. Um, at least you can buy a PS4 Pro, but then your library is limited compared to what's on the PC, obviously, because people are throwing anything and everything. And then the games on Steam end up being fifty bucks <laughs> for what is a lot of times a tech demo. Like, so it's extremely expensive now, but maybe in like, and I'm not even kidding, fifteen years it won't be expensive and it'll be well done like to the point where you have glasses like these that you put on and you're there you know and that's it 
Um, but that might be 20, 25 years from now. Like we might be like old trying to play this thing. <laughs> so, and, and that's when we'll fully enjoy it. Like just put it on me, Sonny. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's. Uh, we got uh, about ten minutes left. Let me see what uh, see what's going on in the chat. We can take some questions from there. If you guys see any good ones, you can go ahead and shout them out. Um, I remember somebody earlier in the chat kept on asking what your thought of uh, who was it? It's Hugh Jackman voicing. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh Jackman yeah, uh, voicing it. Scar. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> he has a history in movies of doing musical stuff and seems to work. So, oh, people are talking about that uh, Mario Kart VR. Thing. That that looks kind of interesting. That looks terrifying. Did you see some of like this, like the trailer for it, where they were driving yeah. along, and that piranha plant comes down and almost eats you? Yeah, yeah. That looks like one of the scariest things. Although I would like to be at a Dave and Buster's. Does that would actually be fun yeah. to try? We'll see. I, yeah. I, my my friends chill at this Dave Buster's next to my house a lot, which has the Mario Kart arcade machines, and we play that a lot. So if they just randomly swapped them out for those, yeah, I'd be on board. Although I don't know how great it would be to play like a public VR game, you know, like with just yeah. anybody's face on that. Like that's really gross. I have a VR headset and and I use it all like I don't use it nearly as much anymore, but I used to use it all the time and every time I'd get done it would be sweaty. It would be yeah. like a little moist. So I You mean, have to get like, like face guards or something, that, right? Something which, on. which apparently they use at all the VR public events. They have like a special like basically toilet seat they just replace each time. <laughs> Safety first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. Metroid would be actually be a cool. Uh, Metroid's a game I'd like to try on VR. Actually, that would be interesting. What uh, what Wii games would you like to see an HD remaster of on the Switch? I think I mentioned this on a recent Nintendo podcast I was on, but man, I really think they need to bring Skyward Sword over at some point. I would love that. Or Cave. Okay. What is it? What is that called? Brave Story. I always forget. What is it? On the Wii, oh, like those those games that kind of like made it out, but not till super yeah. Late. Like here's one. I always forget the name of Wasn't last, there last story. story. Yeah, 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 last story. And yeah. there's another one too. Uh, Lab. What was it? Was it was um. What was that game called? There was another one. There's two. And something Tower. Pandora's Tower. Yeah, yeah, Pandora's Tower. That's what it is. Um. Yeah, those were uh. Those ones are interesting. They could bring them over, but I just don't know how many people would buy them. A lot of people wouldn't yeah. know what they are, to be honest. Yeah, um, but I, I'm talking pie in the sky stuff here. I'm sure this stuff would sell <laughs> twelve thousand copies on a good day. Yeah, I I would like to see thing. because uh, obviously I'm a huge Zelda fan, but I would love to see an HD version of Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks with traditional styled controls. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't be bad. They could actually package that into a two pack, although they'd probably make it. <laughs> They'd probably release them separately. What am I saying? Eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, man. People. Uh, Bayonetta. Uh, see, they're still. We don't know. Still, I'm. I'm still surprised. We've been getting teased. Wonderful 101, and then, um, uh, Bayonetta. We still don't know anything about it. No announcements still. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, a lot of times you'll see game announcements on Monday, so maybe we'll see something. Uh, the two days from now. I'd honestly be really happy with like a Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze port because like that's one yeah. series that I just love. Like I can always I, go back and play Donkey Kong. I looked it up and apparently that's actually still one of it's the, considered the one of the highest rated uh, Wii U games. And so uh, mm-hmm. I think if one if one's gonna get brought over, it'd probably be that one of those. It flew under a lot of people's radar. Yeah. You know, a lot of people missed out on that game. My my that's, included. Yeah. 
which is why I wanted on the Switch. So <laughs> They're very fortunate to have all of those Wii U games that they can bring over under the guise of, well, a lot of people just didn't play it, so we're giving it to you guys. We're not trying to resell it again. <laughs> there was an official statement from uh, Nintendo like a week and a half ago where they said, like, yeah, we're, of course we're bringing over more Wii, Wii U games. They're like, we consider this a preservation effort. A lot of people miss these. The sales of the, the Switch are so much higher, and there's extreme demand for it. We want to give people stuff to play that they want and maybe haven't even heard of. Ooh, Beautiful Joe 3 would be cool on the Switch. Yeah. That would be neat. Grandia. Oh, man. Sorry. That's one of my favorite series of all time. So, yes. Grand I would love to see Grandia 2. Just Grandia 2 brought over again would totally cream my bread. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, why did I say that? <laughs> uh, when do you guys think the next Nintendo Direct will be? Uh, I'm going to say September 1st. I'm just pulling random names out of my face. September first. Okay, that's actually not. Uh, when was their? I don't know when. When was their fall direct last year? Was it in September? August fifteenth, I think. Oh wow, geez. So it might be soonish. It might be like a month from now, even. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, <clears throat> Tokyo Game Show. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, when is Tokyo Game Show? That would actually be a time for them to do some announcements like that too. Yeah, they're um, gonna have probably some pretty decent announcements for the the yeah. Tokyo Game Show, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean that's that's something we're not talking a lot about here in America, but Nintendo is really slamming it hard to make the Switch as popular and possible as possible in Japan, just because. The Wii U did so badly there. They realize they need to maximize their market. They're taking that market seriously again. And so I think if they can try and uh, advertise there and do stuff big at the Tokyo Game Show to win over more fans on the ground, definitely. Um, no, nothing on Rainway from what I can see. Rainway is still in this weird, we think they're going to approve it, we don't know yet kind of situation. <laughs> but um, and they're still, yeah, they, we still don't know what... Um, who do you call it? Isn't it retro? We still don't know who they're, what they're working on right now either. Yeah. So Octopath I, I, footage coming. Octopath. Oh, cool. I want to see yeah. Octopath. I really yeah, want to see that. that. I feel like we I, – I, haven't we seen – we've seen like 22 seconds of footage, and I am ready for more. How is that game 2018? I can't believe they couldn't get that game out this year. That's weird. It, it very well could have been just like – I think maybe Square literally had a like – a requirement from Nintendo of like, we have to show something. I don't care how early it is. It could be people walking through a cloudy town and like, Oh, well we happen to have footage of people walking through a cloudy town. We'll put that in a trailer sure. for you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the game looks really good. Like it yeah. looks like it's gonna be really fun. It, yeah. I know the, uh, Smoxy, I know Smoxy Kickstarter fell apart. I know they're having hard times. Mother three. It, yeah. Did you guys see anything about, did you guys follow the Smoxy at all? Nope. No. I, okay. I, good. What's that? I didn't. Okay, good. <laughs> don't, don't, um, don't do that. It's uh, it was a, uh, it was another Kickstarter that is having some serious, serious trouble. It was supposed to be a, uh, a portable, um, kind of like the GPD win, like a portable computer that can play games. Okay. And it, it ran so, into some serious trouble. So many of those fall apart. The amount of those, I, I feel like I stumble upon a lot of dead Kickstarters where I'm just like, what the hell? And they're well, like, the, problem, the real problem is they have like seven hundred thousand dollars worth of people's investments right now. Of course. Oh. They do. Well, yeah. yeah. So there's a chance they run out of money um, because they 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 have to restart. They they had a, like a breakup with their chip manufacturer. Of course. I wrote, I wrote this video last uh, last year 
uh, top ten biggest Kickstarter or top ten biggest gaming Kickstarter fails. And it was funny because it's this whole list of these games that earned like $500,000 and it looks like a super simplistic, straightforward turn-based RPG and stuff. Like all these different projects that got half a million or even multiple millions of dollars and never got anywhere. And it was funny because the whole comment section was people being like, I didn't even know what this was. Like so many of these projects now rise and fall so quickly, nobody even gets a chance to be hyped for them. That's because Kickstarter, anyone can do it. Like I could go open a Kickstarter right now and promise the world. (laughs) Yeah. Like that potato salad guy. Yeah, that. But he actually delivered. He sent yeah. potato salad. <laughs> he did. He live streamed it. He gave a lot of weight to the homeless people. That's he yeah. homeless sal- he, uh, potato salad the hell out of all of us. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Lucky. Okay. Uh, maybe. I. We don't. We don't know anything about the virtual console still, which is really weird to me. Like I. I don't know if we will even get virtual console this year. Maybe next year. Maybe we'll hear about it during their next direct, the fall right. direct. I hope so. I I'm I'm zero speculation when it comes to virtual console now. I at this point I'm just gonna walk blindly with my eyes covered until Nintendo goes, "Hey, buddy, virtual console's here." Yeah, because they're fighting off now their Super Nintendo Classic. They I don't think they can put any of their games for the Super Nintendo Classic on the Switch at least while they release it. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they need people to run rush that thing, you know, to get it get it off store shelves. So. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, yes, they could do GameCube because GameCube is still kind of there, but man, that's uh, a GameCube or Game Boy games, NES games. I don't know. <laughs> I I would love Game Boy Advance. That's that's definitely my big thing. Is yeah. I would just love even slightly upscaled so they don't look like absolute blurry garbage. Just just give me Golden Sun. I don't care if it costs fifteen dollars. Like I think a, a lot of the the PS2 games on PS4. I think a lot of those are a little bit overpriced, but I'd be willing to pay those rates on Switch. Yeah, that's um, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it, like how much do you think that would be on Virtual Console? An eight dollar game, seven ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing everything is going to be seven ninety nine or twelve ninety nine. Like I think they're going to really milk it because. Once it exists, everybody is so hungry to spend money on the Switch right now. You could put anything on there, and it's going to get some figures. So as soon as Virtual Console launches, even if it's not GameCube like people are hoping, I think they'll just put random GBA, random NES, and it'll all sell. So do you guys want um, uh, some uh, some breaking news real quick before we go? Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. So they, cor- they cornered... Um, <laughs> the creator of Kingdom Hearts 3, at least the director, uh, Mr. Uh, Tetsuya Nomura. And they, of course, they ask him, why isn't it on the Nintendo Switch? And a lot of people so far have said it can't work on the Switch. And what he said was, we're going to focus on the platforms we've announced because we've been developing for them for like six years. Um, And then maybe we can start thinking about other possibilities with the Switch. Hmm. So there you go. They just got released an hour ago. He got cornered, and of course they ask him that question. So there you go. Yes, people have asked me, yes, the Kingdom Hearts could work on the Switch if they wanted it to. Yes, it could. In 2025. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it would be easy for them to put it on there at like 720p and 30 frames per second. I, I don't well, think the Switch would really have a problem. Well, but it's also about the AI and the number of characters on screen and stuff. Like, I always I always give people the example of uh, Splinter Cell was originally made for the Xbox, and even though the PlayStation 2 was more powerful in so many different ways, when they ended up bringing it over, they had to cut out, like, 
whole buildings. They had to rework entire levels and stuff just because since they could have so few characters, it, it just it's so bad. It was such a massive downgrade. Yeah, well, it depends because, the, again, the processor and the PS4, well, this thing, you had to compare it to the lowest denominator there, and that's the Xbox One, the OG Xbox One, and it's the CPU's not that much better, if at all, than what's in the Switch, to be honest. It's very similar. Um, mm. It might be a little better on the Xbox One because it's pulling more power through, but it's not like night and day. Like, you could probably take maybe one extra enemy off the screen and it would run similar, but it wouldn't run at the same resolution. They'd take change shaders and all this stuff around. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised I, if uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out on the PS4 and then like a year later we get Kingdom Hearts 3.1.2.9 on yeah. the, you know, Switch. So. Well, they have to figure out if it's worth it. Right now, it's probably not worth it for them to port it because their main audience while in America is also in Japan. So they want that Japanese Switch total to be like three or four million before they really do it. Um, same here. They, they just want more Switches out there. And I, I can't blame developers with what happened with the Wii U to yeah. wait. So that's yeah. why Nintendo is doing everything they can to get people on board. So I, I understand that. Um, but uh, yeah, we've reached, uh, it's 11 o'clock, about two hours now. Sean looks like he's going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, assume you're like, I assume you're like under like heat stroke right now. <laughs> no, right now. now what, what's the temperature there? You're, you're, uh, you're down south, right? 78, 77. Oh, yeah. okay. That's not terrible. That's yeah. not terrible. Um, it's a it's a warm, sixty eight degrees down here. So, oh wow, chilly. <laughs> it's an I, I keep my basement cold. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's um that's two hours, guys. I guess we'll do it. We'll call it a night there. Um, let me uh, go around here, Max. Where can they find you, man? Uh, just youtube.com slash dreamcast guy. Uh, every single week I put up a new review and uh, a new top 10. This week I'm doing the weirdest games as a top 10. And uh, man, I got some stuff that nobody has ever talked about that'll blow your mind. So definitely tune into that. Good, good. And then, of course, I already know you and Evan, you're both working on the same type of review with Splatoon. So I guess oh, we'll yeah. see that. We'll see your your uh, your impressions on the same game, I guess, on yep. uh Tuesday. Uh, yes. This Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday is when yeah, the the is up. So yes, we'll see early Tuesday. Tuesday morning. Yep. 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 Very good. Uh, and Evan, where can they find you, man? I mean, I'm still doing work with uh, Spawn Wave for videos and such. You can check me out there. Kimmerick's project, which um, I've linked so many times. That's more for art stuff, though, and also uh, Kimmerick's games, which is where I post post uh, videos on a game that I just can't seem to get away from called Gigantic. I do that once in a while when I got something interesting to say about it or if I got enough clips of me just annihilating people from range. So And you did the uh, you did the Splatoon preview and then you did the um, the single player preview and then you did the Star Fox uh, retro Star Fox. look. Yeah the retro look of Star Fox. We also then you and I did the wrestling as well as yeah, another, another switch little uh, mini game that we played. Yeah you didn't like that one as much. It's just, I, I don't know. It felt so trashy. Uh, yeah, well, I did get a Death Squared. I need to play that still. So I, I did get that, though. Um, Philip, where can they find you, man? You guys can find me on YouTube if you just look up Philip, F-I-L-I-P, on YouTube. I just did a kind of preview video for this really cool Switch uh, grip case that you can actually dock. So definitely check that out. It's one of the cooler concepts I've seen for the Switch. And then you can also find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash philipmusen. So. Yeah, you hit that, you hit that, you got that K now in your, uh, in your numbers, man. I got a K. Your number count. <laughs> you do, yes. you're over 10,000 followers. Good job, man. Very nice. Okay. Thank you. Very nice. Um, Jesse, where can they find you, man? Yeah, everything for me, Twitter, Facebook, everything is YouTube, or everything is Game Over Jesse. Um, usually focus on Zelda, 
and Nintendo. But lately I've been doing a bit of everything with top 10 videos uh, going outside of Nintendo. So uh, there's been lists on PlayStation, Xbox, just about everything. I'm trying to not have myself put in a corner. So Makes sense. Yeah, why not? Why not? Branch out a little bit. Makes yep. sense, man. Makes sense. And then, uh, Sean, where can they find you, man? RGT85, pretty much across the board. Um, writings are on NintendoEnthusiast.com. Um, we also do a, a weekly podcast on their YouTube channel, and random reviews go up on there. Uh, yeah, I do all sorts of content, old, new, in between. So, yeah, check me out. Very good, very good. RGT85, awesome. So I guess that's it uh, for Spawncast tonight. Um, got a lot of stuff coming up this week on Spawn Wave, and then, of course, you'll see a lot of – Splatoon stuff going up everywhere because Tuesday is when you want to look for the reviews. Then, of course, Friday is when the game comes out. So I'm sure next weekend it'll be pretty crazy with Splatoon 2 everywhere. So uh, oh, yeah. that's it for us here, guys. We will see you next time.